Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's that time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing the NRL tour. A third of the season is down, and uh, the picture again getting clearer and clearer that we have those two standouts that we've talked about most weeks. <laughs> South dominant on the weekend, the Roosters just as much so. P- quite scary to think, to be honest, Brock. Yeah, we've got a lot of good teams, well, a few good teams, a lot of ordinary teams, and a lot of inconsistent teams at the moment. But they're starting to group themselves together, and we always sort of get that top end, don't we? We get the bottom end, and then we get that middle sort of eight teams every year that fights it out and that's becoming more clear by the round and uh, there's a few real big crunch games this weekend with teams who are either at the top when you look at the Roosters and, and the Raiders and the Storm and the Eels game who I think will be they look excellent and then you look at you know Tigers, Panthers yep. um, Warriors, Knight, uh, sorry Bulldogs, Knights um, who do the Warriors run in? Dragons. Dragons. That's going to be important. Off game. their injuries. I, look, Magic Weekend. Obviously, they did the draw prior to the season, but I think it's worked out yeah. really, really well. Start There's not the many year. games there you look at and you go, I don't want to watch it. Maybe Titan Sharks for the yeah, fact I that still want to the, see Sharks the Sharks have kids, got. Though. Yeah, they've got a lot out, but the Titans certainly aren't playing great footy. I, I think... uh, but I, I'm really looking forward to it. I think the competition, uh, as you said, is starting to become more clear. But you know, the, the more you think it becomes clear and then we head into origin and things become a little bit murkier so but we're a third of the way through i think there's some teams definitely that we're looking at thinking jesus well, we, we didn't expect they, them to be there and that happens every year uh notably the broncos and the panthers who we're going to talk about but uh some things as much as things change they uh some things remain the same and the roosters and, you know, the Melbourne Storm are right up near the top of the competition. So. South as well, no surprise. That Manly, roster. to me, have been a huge surprise. And even at the moment with their injuries, they, they grind out a good win. You know what, though? And I've, I said this again last year. I didn't have them in my eight, and it was more the coaching situation and the whole club environment. Their top 17, said the same thing again this year, is worthy of being one of the better teams in the comp. Like People that say they don't have a good roster, 1-17, to 17, said this the last couple of years, Cherry Evans... You look at uh, the forward pack with Tapao, Fanul Blake, Joel Thompson, etc. Both the Trevojeviches were on the field. Chorus out one point, and now you're looking at like Fanu, who's emerged. Like, it's really not that bad a team when yeah. you look at the top end. The problem was we looked at depth. And then people at the start of the year were saying it's the worst back line in the competition they've ever seen. Well, good coaching, good culture, good turnaround brings the best out of players, and clearly that's worked out. Moses Suley's third club playing solid football, even though he had the one disciplinary issue. Brendan Elliott's been at five clubs already. He's only a young guy, but he's playing outstanding, filling in there. Ruben Garrett takes his chance. Brad Parker is a guy I didn't know if he was going to be an NRL player or a good center under Des Hasler's growing another league. Mm. So they're getting the most out of a lot that we don't know. They brought in a couple of guys that they're also extracting extra out of. Corey Waddell, who we always rated. Jack Kazuski's contributing. Other guys that have come in. LG's come down and taken his opportunity. 
So they've hit on a lot of outsiders or fringe guys and revived a couple of careers, I think, which makes a hell of a lot of a difference. When you look at a top 30 initially, like we did, and you go, okay, from what we know at the moment with these guys, this is what we think. But they haven't just like sparked up one or two. They've found six or seven guys that are contributing right now yeah. during injuries, and they're winning. Um, I think the big thing is, well, we're getting a lot of uh, inboxes. People saying this is terrible. It's one side of rah rah. All the rest of it, I get that. But like you've just said, Origin's still to come. You've seen the Roosters deal with some injuries so far. Yes, they've got excellent depth, which obviously helps. But until Origin's over and we get to like round 20, round 21, and we see the lay of the land, the effect after that, form, injuries, like you, you can't just say it's, it's a write off right now. If the Roosters, though, do get through healthy and South get through healthy and maintain their form, yes, I do think they're the two best teams in the competition. Mm-hmm. But we are so far away from that rep period and we know what a toll that takes. So can someone emerge? I think if the Sharks get their veterans back mixed in with these young kids gaining experience right now, I'm not going to say you know, they're a legit contender, but I certainly think they could become a dark horse. It's not your everyday run-of-the-mill talent or guys pushing in just to play regular NRL. They've got some really outstanding young kids. Um, Melbourne, we know they're coached by Craig Bellamy. I don't think the side's as good as last year, but again, it's Craig Bellamy. Yeah. It would never surprise me if they push. Canberra, real surprise packet. Same deal. A couple of guys we probably didn't expect. Hudson Young getting some games. Corey Herzberg. Leilua's straightened up this year, even though he's missing on the weekend. Rapana, um, they're getting the most out of Sammy Williams. Jack White is slowly growing at six. Bateman, injured on the weekend, yes, but you look at that. They played with that to Pine and a couple other guys as well. They've found another gear, so... I think there's still layers there and there's levels and things are not going to unfold until we get that back in. But I'm enjoying the competition overall so far this year. Instead of six, as we do every week, six thoughts, topics, statements, whatever we uh, have thought about or come up with after the weekend, I want to talk about tackle one in our set of six, the Dragons. We went to that game, saw them play live, blew that 14-point lead. And again, a lot of people very critical, especially their fans. Uh, I think at times very, very harsh on the club, but... Given the situation, I still think four and four is not bad. Really, where they're at, like disappointing loss, terrible loss, but also during the game, you got to look at it. Like we said, we're not immediately. There's a million dollars out of your salary cap gone. Like that's a huge piece of your salary cap. The Jack DeBellin thing, God knows when it's going to be resolved. God knows if he gets back on the field. But we're talking about an Origin forward, which is something they certainly need because we were only saying last year they're not strong enough in their forward pack rotation off the bench, and then they've lost a starter there. So there's $1.6, $1.7 million out of cap. They had a couple other little injuries or niggles. And then on the weekend, Norman fractures his eye socket. Corbin Sims only plays that one game, gets injured. And Frizzell now possibly got a problem with his eye. Um, all the turmoil around the coach, the spine things, the injuries. I think four and four, given what's happened, again, is really not that bad a spot to be in. Disappointed with the way things finished up on the weekend. But it, it, honestly, if things do pan out, and I don't want to get into the Jack DeBellin side of things, but say he does get cleared and he's allowed to come back and play and Corbin Sims does get healthy, and Frizzell's okay. They pick Norman back up in a couple of weeks, and they get through the origin period and have that forward pack possibly on the field and sort out their backline issues, which they keep rotating through just to have a goal kicker. Uh, again, they're another team that if everything worked out and they're healthy, I think they're top four potential. Yeah, I don't know if they'll get their players back in time, and, and like I said, I don't want to touch the jack thing, but if, if it all worked out, are they going to have time to make There's the no top point four? touching the jack Because we don't know what's going to happen. You don't know. But yeah, I'm just looking at that side of things and thinking if people can speculate as much as they want, but yeah. we don't even know it's been before the court. So we'd hope to know 
by next week's show, we'd hope to have a decision on that. I'm mm. sure the Dragons would because they need to go out and fill that spot and spend some money. Well, so I still don't think they can because the rules aren't well, have to. the money. They have to spend the money. Work, they have so. to fill that spot. That, if that's that's an down. NRL thing. They need to sort out how that's going to work. If I they don't get know a why it's in, taking so long. Oh, it's, yeah. But I, I just think, again, I heard a lot of up, jumping up and down. I think given what they've had to deal with, they're still in a pretty good position. Yeah. Hard game this weekend given the injuries and losing Norman after losing Widop is huge. That's almost one point eight million between those two sitting on the sideline, yeah. which is detrimental to anyone, in particular to spine players. But um, yeah, I'm just surprised about the amount of noise around them. Tackle two, Cronulla said it a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about it. Is the team you'd want to take over right now for the future? Um, and I said that was definitely one of those teams I'm looking at. You're seeing that older generation move out along with Flanagan. You're seeing this younger generation come in. They've debuted five guys this year, and like we said before, that there's guys that come in and you like as talents, and they develop. And they play first grader. They become solid first graders. But you look at what they've brought in. And then last year uh, as well on top of that, you've got both the Braley brothers, Will Kennedy, who didn't play this week. You've got Sherry, Nakora, Sione Katoa, Kyle Flanagan, uh, Billy Magulia still hasn't played. They've got Jack Williams, who was a younger guy from Canberra. Ueli, who played junior Kiwis. Like They've done a really, really, really good job with their own kids pushing in as well as these one or two guys they've taken to rebuild their next generation. And they won that game against the Melbourne side through grit and outdoing Melbourne in what they do best, which is grinding. Mm. Um, you get back Woods, Moylan, Johnson, Wade Graham, mixed in with those guys, gaining that experience. Um, I honestly do think what's to say that they can't be a threat at some point in the back end. I don't think they can win it. Uh, I, I just think they've got a few few guys that are over the hill and a few guys that are before uh, their time. So, you know, I heard... Paul Gallon actually said that. I was just hoping that we get one more run, and they, they may do, but I, I certainly wouldn't be banking on it. I, and in my opinion, I don't think they can challenge for the title, but I think they can be very competitive come finals time. Yeah, that's more what I mean. Uh, and, yeah, definitely they've got a really, really good roster. They've got their junior programs have been going really well now for an extended period of time, and mm-hmm. when that happens, you get that conveyor belt of juniors pushing through, and they've got it, I, I think. The good thing about the, the players that are coming through at Cronulla, they're not your stock standard robots that are coming mm. through some other got junior programs. They've got some really talented footballers, uh, some fast and attacking-minded footballers, and they're, they're quite aggressive. The players coming out of Cronulla are aggressive. So mm. it's good. Cora, you're, seeing, yeah, you're seeing some players come out of there just with some characteristics, I think, that uh, I guess are a product of what they're trying to uh, develop there. And Now, they're doing a good job, and it's something that... They haven't done previously. They've, they've often had to go and look and buy yeah, players. But take juniors and take some bit players, and they always kind of play tough. And yeah, and they're still doing that a little bit. I mean, everyone's sort of got to go out and buy if they don't have, but yeah. it's a lot easier to develop yourself and hopefully hold on to it. Bronson Cherry and, yeah, Britton Acora are two just up-and-coming youngsters that look really, really handy. So, yeah, yeah no, they, they look good. I think John Morris is got a good temperament for that team. I think the sooner Paul Gallen moves on, the better. I think he's really for the, the last. Yeah, yeah, just the last remaining figurehead at the club from the Shane Flanagan era and, and a good era because that era won the yeah. won the team of competition. But I think it'll really be his side then and he can a younger leader can step up. I think Wade Graham's probably the one that you look at if he can get himself fit Healthy, yeah. to really be the leader of that club. And he's just got a different persona and a different attitude to Paul Gallen. I think 
it'll lead the the sharks into the future. So yeah, I agree. I, I think there's bright future there for the sharks, but I also I can't see him winning it this year. Also, have to come on what you said there. As much as Fafita's had his indiscretions in the past, I think him at the forefront on field so far, personality-wise, everything he's done this year has been, been outstanding with that group as well. And he's really embraced those kids. He's leading from the front. Josh Dugan had one of his better games in the weekend. His main problem against health. Yeah. But those two have sort of, you know, just blended back in this year. Things have been toned down a little bit. Uh, and those young kids have really come to the fore and they've stepped up. So some positive signs there for the Sharks. Tackle three, Panthers, Broncos, again, drilled every week for everyone, going over every inch, every coaching thing, every word, every play, every bit and piece. But I guess the big thing here to look at for these two sides from our perspective is the woes continue. Yeah. Uh, Panthers on the weekend, plenty of opportunity first half, I thought, much like the South game, but just couldn't crack them. Blew some opportunities, were completing at 50% at halftime, coming out of the game with some injuries, a couple of suspensions, frustration. Guys still underperforming. I, I just think uh, if you're Ivan Cleary and coming back to that situation, I, I, I guess you didn't see coming what was happening in the off-season for one. I also think a few guys that got some long-term deals before he got there as well have certainly looked like they're a lot more comfortable and not playing as good a football. Uh, the whole situation's just... Yeah, it hasn't been great. And then to have Kikau and a couple of guys, Yo go down injured on the weekend. Kikau not as bad as first thought. Now we found out Maloney's been cleared of his charge. Mm. Um, all around there, I, I don't really know what he does to turn that around. And people say, what's going on in New South Wales Cup? Are they doing well? Yes, they are doing well. But looking within there, they've already reached for a couple of those players. Hetherington wasn't great at the start of the year. Uh, Jerome Luai, who will likely get an opportunity if Maloney was out. He's not going to play now, obviously. Spencer Lainu, William Burns is an under-20s kid. Uh, Harme Sele's been in and out. Kate Ellis, Nick Luitoso's yet to debut. Uh, there's not a whole lot, as we said at the start of the year, with these contracts, with all this overlap. It came to a point where they lost some of that depth. They've still got some really good kids there, but they're almost starting another generation again of what we saw previously with the Harrier and I and a couple of those guys where they're probably going to have to blood them at some point, but they're not at that 50-game mark where a lot of these other guys got to or more. And I don't know what they can really reach for at this point in time. Full back at nine. Yeah, the, the other thing is the Canterbury Cup's a bit of a false economy because the level of that competition isn't up yeah, to the players NRL. that dominate there. It doesn't transition to the NRL level. The gap's too big. Whereas, you know, in years past, probably 10 or 15 years ago, I don't know I'm reaching back a little bit, but players could come out of reserve grade because the standard was very, very close to the NRL and you had a lot of players that were moving back out of NRL and to finish off their careers in reserve grade. Now, players retire in the NRL and that's it. So I think that's set a detriment of the level of the of the Canterbury Cup. But you know I think it's it's producing some good young players. But I still think there's a significant gap there, and that's why I keep pushing. And whenever we say what can the NRL do to to develop a game, I think we need to have a more competitive and a an NRL based and a NRL mirrored reserve grade. That's one that I'll bang on for as long as people are listening to this show. But uh, I, look for. Penrith can be going. Penrith could be winning that competition, and they have in the last few years. Or they've mm. been in grand finals, and not many players are pushed through and dominated at the NRL level. That's just fact. Mm. So you know you can reach for those players, but are they going to come in and fill the void and really push Penrith to where they need to be? No, they, they need their top end players doing that. And at the moment, either a they're not doing it through form, or b they're injured. Yep. And then we've got the Broncos, who it just keeps going from bad to worse. And- Obviously, every Brisbane legend and every person up there certainly laid the boot in. Do I agree with everything Seabold's done? No. Do I think out of the swap deal, 
who had the better roster. I think the Broncos had the better potential roster moving forward, but I think the roster that was left behind for Wayne Bennett at South was ready to win, as we saw last year. Mm-hmm. And we talked about the preseason. Realistically, the better young talent, yes, but you looked at South, halves and spine. That's with Cook, Reynolds, and Walker. Wayne Bennett was walking into a side that was one game away from a preliminary final last year. Yeah, uh, English retiring was obviously a big thing, but you got Burns, who's now injured, good form. Johnston, Corey Allen, who had big raps when we coming up, Campbell Graham, Murray, who moved straight into the void. And then they made some really smart purchases, which a lot of people disagree with me about. South not having a good enough bench. I said that I thought they'd have a bit good enough bench with the Tola and Knight and then getting a low late, who's playing better football again. I think in that side of things for the short term, yes, uh, Wayne's got the better end of the deal. I think the underestimated thing, again, and still being overlooked, uh, I, I certainly didn't pick Brisbane to win the comp. I certainly thought they'd be in the eight. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say I didn't have them in, in, the fi- in the finals. But it's a completely different style of play. There's also players there that are attached to Wayne Bennett. So you've got James Roberts, who apparently wants out. Doesn't like Anthony Seapold. Uh, in, in the end, tough titties. You're a first grader. You can't have it all your own way. If you don't like the voice of somebody else and what they're doing and giving you the hard truth, leave. That's a positive to me. The McCulloch injury is unfortunate. The Nicarima situation, everyone's blowing up like he's knife the bloke that's rugby league his manager wanted to get the best deal possible they went in because they had a player option to possibly not be there next year and asked what the situation was he said I want to be a halfback they said we see you as a utility mm. he doesn't like that and then he secures a four year deal and he goes like it's what do you want him to do that's rugby league that's yep. the way the modern day works everyone's making it out like he's knife Nick Arima or he didn't he's done him the best thing for his career he gave him the heads up that that was his role Nick Arima wasn't happy with that and he exited um, I think the bigger issue here, and I said it before, Wayne Bennett and the board clearly the year before, before this whole issue has broken out, clearly didn't have enough insight and let Wayne do uh, did uh, do what he wanted to do at the time and they re-signed McCulloch long-term, which is obviously something now you're looking at thinking you've got years to go and they've got Boyd locked in on a long-term contract, which is going to be hard to move as well, mm. which are two sort of, I guess at the time, not booby traps, but moves that were made by Wayne and the board and within six, 12 months less later, they were trying to get him out of the club. So they should be looking at that thing and their results of something that's happened prior to him getting there. He's trying to usher through this new group. He's trying to bring in a new style. But there's also some guys there that were there because of Wayne Bennett. Yeah. And I think that also doesn't help the transition. Uh, is Pangai Jr. one of those guys? I don't know. He only signed a one-year deal. There's talk he's interested in coming to Sydney. Matt Lodge is apparently interested in coming back and linking up with Wayne Bennett. There is guys that have ties to Wayne Bennett, and I'm fine with that. But also, I think people like that and a couple of older guys like Glenn, etc., that are not happy with the changes at the club. It's a bit similar when Ivan Cleary got to Penrith. He can't resist change. That's rugby league. Adapt or die. But the- Yeah, I, the one that... Look, people who listen to this show know that I picked Brisbane to win the competition. I've been fairly staunch on that I think they'll turn it around. Uh, I went and watched the game live on Thursday night, super confident that they could compete with South Sydney. And I walked out of there and my mindset had almost flipped completely. Mm. I thought that... Uh, James Roberts and Jermaine Asako in particular, and they've been dropped this week, and I think rightfully so. Their their effort and their body language was disgusting. They were visibly, if you're at the ground, they were fighting um, Matt Gillett and the edge, which was Asako and Roberts, were bluing the whole night. The Mm. kid was on that edge as well, the the kid who did and who... Debuted in that game, and I thought the performance of James Roberts was disgusting uh, from a professional. I think Jermaine Asako, I think he's lacking confidence. I don't think his is through uh, anything 
off the field. I, I just think he's lacking form, uh, a little bit of the second-year blues. But the most concerning thing that I've seen, and look, I'll, I'll, I'll put a bow in that by saying that I'm I just I have zero confidence in what they're doing on the field. They they look to not be playing for the coach. Fast forward to yesterday, and Jack Bird fronts the media, and Jack Bird goes as far as saying that he's surprised that James Robertson, Jermaine Asako have been dropped. Look, I don't necessarily agree with it. However, you know it's the coach's decision. Like he basically publicly disagreed with his coach dropping the players. Again, there's another guy that moved there for Wayne Bennett. I, uh, I. The, the the impact of Bennett leaving and the relationships that he has and the relationships they both have, I think, between players at their previous clubs has got bigger roots and, and deep-seated, I guess, emotional attachment than what I mm. gave credit or, or gave, uh, gave thought to. Wayne Bennett's definitely walked into a, a much better situation. I think the fact, the way that Seabold left... In that he he decided to leave, yeah, it made it made, much it, made it easier for Bennett to come in because he was accepted. On top of that, the key man at Souths is Sam Burgess, who has had Wayne a relationship England, with, yeah, and that for was sure. basically universally accepted yeah. throughout the club that we're ending up with, according to yeah, you know, and one I also of our think, also think that Wayne was obviously sacked at the Broncos, yeah, and you then have that issue of all well, the play he was he was the weed was ripped out. So you've got players there who didn't necessarily agree with that and, as you said, who were signed and had good relationships with Wayne Bennett. Seabold's also a different operator. Yeah. He's a different operator. And, you look, for me as a coach, I, I see guys who have good rapport with players and who want to be that friendly person. Mm. For me as a coach, I don't, I don't value that over educating my players and making them accountable and giving them feedback. And I think Anthony Seabold is probably from this newer age of coaching where that gets valued above relationships with players. For me, you've always got to value your relationship with players, but not over what you expect and what you need to teach and you need to be able to give them feedback. So I think Bennett, Bennett's one of these coaches where, yeah, he, but he's also, he walks into a room and he's got respect automatically, yeah. whereas Anthony Seabold hasn't necessarily earned that right. And that's a hard thing as a coach. Yeah. And I'm speaking as a coach. Yeah. You walk into a room uh, and you know that that's happened with me recently. Working a little bit now with the with the flag at West Tigers, you walk into the room and you're a, you're just another bare bum in the shower. Mm. No one knows what you've done. No one cares. So you know you've got to then earn that respect straight away. However, if I was Wayne Bennett and I walked into a room, or if I was Michael McGuire and I walked into a room, you automatically have that respect. Yeah, I just I just think it's been undervalued. And again, I don't put it all back on Seabold. Like everyone's making excuses. The player, it's all Seabold's a great. It's all coach. him. It's all him. It's all him. When you come into a situation like we've talked about and people probably haven't looked at it and you've got guys that moved there for Wayne or had relationships with Wayne and it all stirred up the way it, it has and ended the way it did, you've got, like I said, Darius and you've got Tavita Pangai Jr. and Matt Lodgery brought back and James Roberts who wanted to go play for him. You've got guys in the core 13 or 17 that are part of your club and culture yeah. that are directly linked to the old coach. And it's it's the old thing like if your best mate hates some guy that you don't even know, you probably hate him too. Mm. It's, uh, it's a, I just think a poor way for me to it's explain not a, it, I think no, there's no, a I few guys it. that aren't really giving him the time of day or even a it's chance somewhat because it, exactly it's, it's not, not his team. team and this little mini clean out or whatever's going on now this cleansing 
Uh, I think it's necessary. It. Yeah. And I stick by what I'm saying right now. And plenty of people are going to disagree and blah. Oh, the Brisbane should be competitive and whatever. I, I agree they should be doing better. But if this needs to happen, this was a five-year... It's five an attitude year, thing, not an ability yeah, thing at the moment. It's plenty of ability in that squad. It is an attitude thing. They need to adapt. They're professionals. They're paid to play football. They need to get over it. And the guys that aren't willing to get over it, I have no problem with them moving them on. Yeah. Um, there needs to be a mini cleansing to probably get a couple of those guys out. And I've said it before, like... For James Roberts to suddenly go from an origin player to just basically not trying because Wayne Bennett's not at the club and he's not happy with it, we'll take a walk. Pathetic. Go. Yeah, pathetic. You're a first grader, mate, and you're an adult. Grow up. Yeah. Uh, Jack Burt, like I understand you moved there, but you also took go. You know, only $100,000 difference or so that was reported in that contract difference just to stick it to the Sharks to only not be happy a year later even when Wayne was there because you left all your friends down in Cronulla. It's like. also interesting that he was promised to play 5-8 and he's not playing 5-8. He didn't play 5 So he should have blown, blown, blown a one, stack about so, that. Yeah. I, I anyway, let's let's move on from Brisbane. Look, I, you know, I'm their staunchest supporter. I, I just thought that knowing Seabold as a coach and looking at what he did last year, I, I, I still give them hope, but I just don't think that playing group is playing for him at the moment. Well, I think the biggest issue it's is still the one issue. that I brought up last week, and that's that those two contracts, again, that are little ticking time bombs are nicely laced there by Wayne because the board would have said yes to anything at the time, are having McCulloch and having Boyd on long-term deals at their age with the money they're playing, not playing to their capability. Yeah, um, They're going to be hard contracts to move. Medically retiring or doing anything on those lines is probably out of the question because neither have those sort of injuries or issues. Uh, I just don't see how they get that cap space back. Um, I think that's going to be something moving forward. As far as Lodge, Pangai Jr. and a couple of those guys potentially moving on, I think they'll just keep pushing forward with the young guys and find some other players and keep producing through their system. But this was sought to be a long-term thing. Everyone's acting like they need to win a premiership now. Um, like I said, I know you picked them. It's not even a shot. I didn't pick them to do that, but to, I, I, I still want to win to it. To win this year, yeah. but I still think, again, it's been overlooked, and I've said it last week, I've said it last few weeks. There's seven or eight guys, plus now Dearden in there, that are 21, 22 or younger. Mm. Some guys have barely, haven't even played 10 games yet. There's all the talent in the world, but they are still not bona fide first graders, and they're working in with a guy like Gillette, who's come off a major neck surgery, Glenn, who's potentially on the outer, a couple of veterans, like I said, that have got deals they shouldn't have got, and then you've got the ticking time bombs of a few yeah, guys, as we said, that are from the previous cup. I've given so. I've given them a lot of time because I still look at their roster and think that's a side that can be a great competition. But there, can you sort there's out? a lot of other influences yeah. going on, and I think that's going to really put a, put a line through their hopes this year. Yeah, and I think the sooner Seabol can move out the guys that he's identified as cancerous and not being yeah. a part of not what he wants in. to do moving in, moving forward. Sorry. Pun them. Yeah. So, uh, and and look, I, I said in the preview, it's easy to pick the Roosters. I think the Roosters will win it, but I just wanted to pick someone else. I, you know, I'm not knocking that. Brisbane were, the, Brisbane were the value for me. And there's they, a lot they, of things. They, they've, they've laid an egg. There's a lot of things that even we overlooked in the preview, though, I think, that you're looking at now going, well, yeah, there's, well, there's but more... things that you couldn't predict that were off nah. the field. That in, yeah, it's all slowly coming out, but there's more layers to it. And the big thing as well, we had all these guys like lodging that in the preseason, saying this is great, the training's awesome, we got the footy out, there's music, rah rah. rah. But, as know, soon as the soon results as haven't the... started Correct. going well and they haven't been accountable and they're not playing well, they've just all gone back to the coach. Mm. And this is my argument again with the Brown thing, like the other way. Like, it's so easy straight away for everyone just to start laying into him. But like Jesus Christ, mm. play. You paid professionals. Play first grade. Play good football. Go out and do your job. You get seven days or your six days whatever it is to prepare to do one thing every week yeah. play football do your job correct so yeah tackle four uh, this Latrell Mitchell thing we talked about last week and how crazy it seemed to even bring it up but it seems to be gathering a bit more momentum mm. uh, this whole situation and what's going on his even parents came out and addressed it and said we love the club we love the Roosters yes 
we're South fans and we barrack for them, but we've got a soft spot. We love the coach. We love what they've done for Latrell as a club. Every time we go there from the ladies in the office all the way up to the top, they're all outstanding. But then you hear stuff about uh, the relationship with his manager breaking down and him feeling a bit of external pressure and South pushing and people getting in his ear and other managers and all people around him that he should be playing fullback and he should be on GI money and he's not at the Roosters and Last week, he went home, apparently, again, which Robinson, as I said, is great at managing that situation because he just wanted to get away from all the pressure and talk. But uh, I find this real real intriguing, but also worrying. Yeah. And this is an issue when you're young and impressionable that you, you get these voices around you. you just, I, I'd love to think that hopefully his parents and everything, who he listens to and he's got, you know... Um, a bit of his own clear thought process in the end and that whoever he ends up signing with, if he does pick a player manager, doesn't just do it on money, which is unfortunately the reason that a lot of player managers do. And I think it goes back to what we said last week. With all this and the struggles here and the external pressure and all the bits going on, I don't see any better place for him to be than where he is right now. And as I said before, when he, if he does go to South, that's great. And GI's here, yeah, that's great too. You hang out with him. Who's the coach in a couple of years? Wayne Bennett's not going to be there long term. Can you manage him to the same extent as the Roosters? Do they do as good a job with welfare? Do they give him that freedom? Mm. Do they have as many strong leaders around the club with and like people like Nick Politis and the board? I just think there's no better place for him to be than the Roosters. And that's not a knock on South and saying they're not up to standard with that as well, but in particular the coach. I think that long-term figurehead who's had him the whole way through and he's going to be there for a long time to come, I think he needs Trent Robinson long-term. That's not say he doesn't mature into a, you know, he's still only 21, 22 years old, into a grown man and do his own thing and move on. But I think for now, it would be the wrong move for Latrell Mitchell, whether people are telling him he should be a fullback or, you know, get more money, etc. I just, yeah. I, yeah. I agree. I, yeah, I agree. I, it, it baffles me. I, I, I don't even understand why they're talking about it. I don't know either, because he's still got another year it's, to go. And if I'm coaching Latrell, it's, it's, it's a careful conversation you've got to have. But. Mm. I'd be saying to me, mate, if you want to leave, let's chat about it. Let's yeah. chat about the reasons why and try and work on that. If you don't want to leave, don't yeah. even entertain what's coming going from? on with is the outside just, noise. Yeah. Correct. Is this your because family? It's, is it's, it managers? This is, what is these it? are the sorts of things that can Derail manifest and yeah, and, and affect the team. And I think the sooner he can either resign or come out and say, well, I'm, I'm going to go to South or I'm looking, I'm going to test the open market or make make it be clear what his intentions are so there's not all this rumour and innuendo going around because it will, whether, I guess, we like it or the Roosters like it, it will distract them mm. at, at some level. So it's just, yeah, it's going to be interesting, particularly now heading into Origin as well because he's, he's going to be with other players, he's going to be playing with some South Sydney players in that camp. So, you know, their influence on him as well. It's, it's an interesting time, and I'd like to think he'd be loyal to the Roosters. The Roosters gave him his crack. They picked and him up at 15 and mate, brought I, him the whole way through. There's absolutely no way if I was a poster boy at the Sydney Roosters that I'd be looking to go anywhere because he's going to get his payday. He can wait and get his payday because you, you don't just get a payday out of, out of a handful of good games. Look, I think he's been at an elite level now for probably 12 months, yeah. probably a little bit less than 12 months. I think it was around origin time he really he really – Became elite. We, last we year. also need to consider what you've just said, though. It's not only the whole thing like they've brought him through, they've brought him up. They've seen him through the period there where he wanted to go home and play a cup, and they've managed it all, and they've bent for where him as well. He did some well. stupid shit off the field, and they've gone both ways and worked with him. So yeah. I think it's a bit of a two-way street. And is if he's not going to get paid, 
He's still yeah, got plenty that's of time. What I'm saying. Yeah. And even if he doesn't get fullback money right now, as if they're not going to make him the highest paid center in the cop. And we said it's a less valued position, which is true. But you know the difference? He doesn't just play as a center. Yeah. He's a game breaker. He comes in the middle. They push him into six. They use him in all different ways. The other night he scored a try where he came in and ran like a fullback support line. And then he came in another one and basically ran like a back row into a hole. Broke three tackles, went and scored a try. Mm. They're going to pay him accordingly. And at some point in the future, Tedesco is 28, 29. He's had an injury. He might slow down and move on after that deal. And then Latrell moves into that mold. We don't know. Yeah. But he is still very, very young. There is plenty of time. Correct. And I think there's no better place for him to be than the Roosters. Agree. So I just, yeah, I want this all this noise to go away. But we'll see what happens. Tackle five, bit of an origin looking. Uh, the Queensland situation, an update for this week. Obviously, another blow with Josh Maguire now coming down with a calf injury. Yes, could it be one, two, three weeks, etc. If it gets to the maximum three weeks, he's clearly going to be available. I think our issue is much like we talked about the week before, Brock. Lots of injuries already. And now the possibility of having Maguire, who's going to have to probably play as a middle and play big minutes. And then Daly Chervins, who was in red hot form, come back and play either off the back of no games and zero form and, and like just coming fresh into origin, which is a big ask. And they lost friend. Feltz playing his first game this week. I'm sure he's on the radar already because they're so light in the back line. Wallace has been playing poor, but again, who have they got to pick? Mm. Napa's in the radar again because they have no real middles. Hess has been ordinary. Like, there's a lot of guys. Yeah, I, it's, yeah. Looking at Queensland, whoever they pick, they play well. When they get in there, they play well. Well, game one is in Queensland. is a must win as far yeah. as I'm concerned. If they look, lose I, that, I think if you're Kevin Walters, you got two, pro- well, two things that I'd place as a priority. Get Cameron Smith out of retirement is number one, and number two is pick the team on form. I don't think you can you can pick on trust because they lost the series last year. This is this is the perfect who, time who for him. Who are you picking on for? Anyone, anyone, the top person in each position, pick him and put trust in him. Oh. I think they they've got a culture in Queensland, whether we like it or not. Pong is a shoot. That you've got players there that um, whether they're going well at club or not. They, they come in and they play well. Yeah, well, like I said, Pong is a shoe in at He's fullback. Oates is a shoe in on the wing. I well, think. Do, you, do you think so? Well, who else are you picking? You're not picking. God, he was poor. You're going to pick Thursday Philip Semi or Jarvid Bowen or Corey Allen or Edric Lee. That's their Edric options Lee, right now. I think Edric Lee. Justin O'Neill, Coplet. Like, there's not much. Yeah, depth. from that from that perspective, yes, you'll probably get picked there on Will trust. Chambers got a bath last year. Defending Latrell Mitchell. Gagai will be there, definitely. And Gagai's been playing Chambers will be there, definitely. So I think, you know, that that's a position where Gagai's probably going to have to play centre. There's been talk the, that they've... The halves have got, they've got a stack of halves there. Hooker... Well, Munster's hooker look, six. Yeah, yeah but that, that, that's sorted. From a hooker perspective, I think they've got to, they've got to look for Smith. If they Particularly don't, Particularly now McCulloch's Hunt. out. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Hunt. Props... Yeah, look, they've got they've got depth there. They've I think you play Maguire and Papali in as middles with Felice and Gillette in your back row. Arrow my lock, and then your bench I just make up of like you said, probably who I think fits. So yeah, look, I think they're going to have a strong enough side to compete with New South Wales. Do I think that they're going to be as good as New South Wales on paper? No, but Origin's a different beast. Well, the big question for New South Wales, the half situation, I think to me, Kiri now it's it's not even an argument. It hasn't been an argument for weeks, and in particular when you look at the edge again on the weekend, Latrell Mitchell, Boyd Cordner. Luke Keary, there's even an argument by some people now, do you push Addo Carr over to the right-hand side and pick Tupo again, just because the way he plays with that edge? I don't know if I'd go that far. Mm. Um, but with Tom being out on the other side, you need a winger. So can you swap those two? Do you, Does Kotrick get a look in, even though he plays left because he was in camp last year? Does Campbell Graham get a look in, who plays right wing? You know, they've got it 
some questions they've got to answer there. Some people were throwing up the other day Alex Johnson to push back to play wing like he did a couple of years ago because he's been playing okay. I don't know if I'd pick him because of his yardage work on the wing. It's different to the role he plays as a fullback. Yeah. But then right centre. We clearly know that James Roberts is in poor form and he's not going to be playing this week. Curtis Scott's been dropped. Ewan Aitken's playing off the bench. Uh, Late Lua was thrown up a couple of years ago. He's playing good footy now. He's injured. Does Jack Bird get a look in? People have been hot and cold about what they think about him. Jesse Raymond, I thought, had some flashes but hasn't got much ball and now he's been injured the last week or two. I think that's the only real hole right now for New South Wales. Their forwards, they're going to pick their back row easily. I think their front rowers pick themselves in Vaughan, Clamour, Hooker, Cook. Bench, you could pick multitude of guys as far as that's concerned. But I think the only real issue for them right now is figuring out a few spots in the back line. Agree. Latrell is yeah, your agree. only lock. We, we look sorted at the, at the moment. There's mm. still three weeks to go. You, you get an injury here or there, it can really play with the uh, the makeup of your team. So, look, I, I know everyone is licking their lips looking at Origin. Yep. Just keep your powder dry. Are you still adamant that you wouldn't pick Cody Walker to play starting in the halves and pick him as the full? No, no, no. I, I'm just waiting. I, at the moment, I, I expect r- right at this point in time, I've, I've definitely got Maloney out of the side. I've got Keary in the side. Oh, Maloney's gone, hundred percent. And for me, I'm just I'm just watching Cleary and Walker. Well, like you that's said, that's all on form. No argument. It's Walker. If they don't pick him in the halves, he has to be probably he has to be the fourteen. But at the I, same time, to me, I'd pick for the makeup of the team. I'd I'd probably pick Cleary if Cleary's playing well enough to be justified. And look, right at this point in time, right now, if I had to pick the team right now, I'm not picking Nathan Cleary. No, I'm not picking either. However. I think he knows that the, you know, the time has probably come that he really needs to step up and stamp his his position back in that team. So the pressure the pressure's on the kid a little bit, and you know I do feel for him because his club team's going really poor. Uh, but right now I'd be going, uh, Cleary and Walker with Cleary out. However, I'd really like to pick Cleary and have Walker as a fourteen. I'm still looking at Madison probably as my utility, and but I, I, I could pick, I could easily pick Madison and Walker in, on the same bench because Madison can play back row, Ma- Madison could play lock, he can cover multiple positions. Well, then that's an argument for whether I, I don't think you can pick Tyron Peachy. I wouldn't pick Peachy; he's gone because he, Brad Fittler struggled to fit him in the side last year. Cameron Murray for me has to be on the bench. He's one of those guys that is the new age yeah, middle. And to be fair, if you pick Murray, how do you pick? How do you pick Murray? Uh, Walker. I've seen Murray also dish from nine. If they got real desperate, he can play and nine. Madison, it'd be difficult. Work that middle part of the field. I think Dale Finucane's another guy pushing for a middle spot. Tarek Sims was there last year. Does he get a look in on the bench again? He's been okay this year, not great, but there's some questions more to who you fit in the bench and then picking that right edge. Yeah. But yeah, tackle six, magic round. I've heard a lot of people blowing up about it and the games and the timing and is the ground going to hold up and this, that, and the other. Why so negative? Just enjoy it. It's a brand new thing. They're trying it out at Suncorp Stadium. I'm sure it's going to be an absolute cracker weekend, but I couldn't believe the amount of negativity I looked at today. Yeah. If something comes out of the weekend or the eight grounds and it doesn't hold up and something gets hurt, like, I don't. Why are we bringing that up before it even kicks off? I'll tell you off? what, I'd rather be playing at Suncorp than some other grounds. Yeah, I just. I'd rather be playing there than the SCG or Brookie. Blown away today about the amount of stuff and people yeah, let's, carrying don't it. Don't be negative. I, I love the idea. I think it's a cracker yeah. idea. Uh, it's from Super League. Super League have been doing it for at least yeah, the last they five go up years. to Newcastle. Uh, it, well, it's moved around. It moves around oh, in, um, in Super League. Last few years they've done it at Newcastle. Big before stadium. that, it was in Cardiff. Uh, they've done. They did one at Wembley. So. I, I love it. Let's I think, just it's, a, see I think it's a great goes. idea. However, I, I do believe that there should be two 
two what? Two magic, magic week rounds. Now, hear me out. The way you get around that is that each team has home and away as a magic round. So no one loses a home game through magic round. And I just think that it'd be it'd be fantastic to have one at Bankwest Stadium. Well, you could do that. That's an option. Next year, I think it's an absolute no-brainer. But, but I guess for now, like I said, everyone's kicking up a stick. No, no, this even, year, I love it. Yeah, before it's even happened. Though, no, like, just let forget it. Happen it. I, look, down. for That's... me, get it to Bankwest Stadium next year. Imagine playing eight games there. Well, it was crazy atmosphere on the weekend. For really one game. It, so. One game. If you can... Uh... And, and what I would do is... Or even if you had maybe half a half a magic round, if you just had all the Sydney derbies in at Bank West for for a weekend, whether you had a, a you know a Super Saturday triple header where you had Penrith Para Tigers Dogs um, and you know who, Roosters South or wh- whatever you wanted to do, but just have it as a maybe a triple or a double header at Bank West. I, I think it's just made for big events, and and the ground there is fantastic. It'll hold up. They played the Matson Ball. Uh, and then they played a, a Canterbury Cup Wales game Cup. and a and the final uh, and the game and an NRL, NRL game four games within twenty four hours so yeah. it's, it's holding up yeah it's good ground it's a mix of Sinto and normal grass apparently so Suncorp it'll be awesome I wish we were going up there but uh, and we probably will if it if it goes well anyone who is going up give us some feedback after the yeah. weekend send us some messages enjoy let us know it. what you think but yeah I just couldn't believe the negativity before it's even happened so mm. calm down people a long set of six but plenty of stuff covered in depth. Pretty good start. Let's jump into our power rankings box set brought to you by the Penrith Solar Center. Don't be sidelined by rising power bills this season. The team at Penrith Solar Center are dedicated to providing Western Sydney residents with the highest quality solar energy experience. Mm. When it comes to tackling your electricity bills, the team at PSC will get you over the trial line, saving you thousands per year in energy costs. Call 1800 20 today or visit www.penrithsolar.com.au for more. Big thanks to Jake. And the boys there, we've said it a million times, renewable energies, it's the way of the future. Apparently, there's going to be some cuts to your bills coming up, but looking at what they're offering <laughs> in the election, me. it's only $80 or 120 a year for families. That's not a whole lot when you consider in summertime. Our bills at home with our system were close to 11 1200 bucks with the pool and the aircon and the duct and all that going. We were wiping almost half of that off with some solar panels. So get on to Penrose Solar Centre. Number one, power rankings, Roosters. I don't think it's rocket science as to why. Roosters, my friend. Number two, South Sydney. South Sydney. Uh, yep. Moving ahead of Melbourne. The only team to have beaten the yep. Roosters so far, but I uh, look forward to those guys playing later in the year. But for now, if they played again today, I'd probably be taking the Roosters. Number three, uh, I've held the storm there. Yeah, same. Storm. Wasn't Just. happy with the last few weeks, and they've been a bit sloppy, uh, but they've still been winning. And again, mm. on the weekend, very disappointing. But mm. yeah, for now, they hold. Raiders at four. Same. Good bounce back. Uh, I, I think there they are. They are the four form teams heading through the first eight games of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five, I have Parramatta. Same. I Eels. think bounce back on the weekend. They're still dealing with some situations there with contracts, coaching, and all bits and pieces. But nevertheless, quite impressed. And injury wise, they're pretty healthy, which is why I have them ahead of number six in Manly, who just keep astounding me with what they're doing, considering who they're missing. Okay, I've got the Dragons at six. All right, uh, I, I think. They uh, lost no fanfare out of them. They lost Norman. They wobbled a little bit. Well, Frizz couldn't but see out of his eye. He didn't run was, in the second half because yeah. he said he literally couldn't see the where the it ball. It was very, very difficult for them. Once the momentum swung Parramatta's way in that stadium, it was just always going to be difficult. But uh, I, look, I watching them pull Parramatta apart in that first half, I've been super impressed with them. I, they've got a few things they need to work on and 
with Norman out for a significant period, this is going to become uh, a very important period for the Dragons, particularly if they lose some players to Origin. Mm. Uh, number seven, I have the Dragons. Yep. And with the injuries, that does worry me a little bit and just working a few things out. And I think Origin will take a few players. Well, I've got, I've got Manly at seven. And, and the reason I had the Dragons over Manly is because two weeks ago, the Dragons beat Manly. So yep. I get that's the only reason I give Dragons a slight edge. Mm-hmm. And I've got the Sharks coming back in me at number too. eight. Regardless of the injuries, they've got a good, good, a good win on the weekend. But I expect to see them back it up this week against the Storm. And again... I'd have them higher if those guys were closer to coming back, which was a worry a couple of weeks ago. But if they can win another couple of games and then get back the likes of Woods, Moylan, Johnson, Wade Graham, etc., they're in a very good position moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there you go. There's the power rankings. Jump into the reviews of the games from the weekend. South Sydney Broncos. Don't think this one needs too much explanation. 38-6. to six. It was an absolute smash-up. I think the most disappointing part was some of those early tries after a bit of a cycle period there where they went back and forth. Uh, there was a little bit of luck involved with the Johnston kick forward. Uh, the lack of effort to scramble for that second one that Walker picked up just shows the kind of form he's in right now. Uh, and then an intercept try to get to 18-0. But I think it was more just off the back of that stuff. Their heads went down and they didn't come back out in the second half. And I thought South then just mashed them in all aspects of the game. They yeah. destroyed their ruck. They rolled to the middle <clears> and they pulled their edges. But there, there wasn't any part of the game that I thought Brisbane were in control of in the second half. And the response after conceding tries that, you know, somewhat had some luck involved. Um, it was just a question of effort, and they didn't show any in the second half, Agreed. which was super disappointing. Well, I think it was more the way they reacted to the negative plays. The two first tries were bounce. One was a strip with a kick, a uh, lucky bounce. The other one was a kick through, got a deflection, lucky bounce. But they just... They didn't scramble they for then that second the, one. They, they then kicked me. the ball dead on the full, mm. which absolutely killed them. Too often they come up with a really, really effective kick, went down, defended well, played one, two, and then gave uh, Sias to piggyback out of their own, own end late in the tackle count. Uh, they just played with no discipline and uh, no resilience. That's yeah, probably the word. They shut down. I, I really look at Brisbane and just they have little resilience at the moment and their body language is horrendous and a lot of the players were visi- uh, visibly fighting. When you're live, live at the ground, they're arguing. Yeah. They're not a happy bunch. No. I mean- Sias... Fantastic performance. Uh, however, I question the team they played, but you can only beat who is in front of you. And it was there was a lot of off-field build-up going into this game, and I thought South handled that pressure much better than what Brisbane did. Oh, that was great. Cody Walker, again, continues to show us why uh, he's been so highly touted. Burgess played very, very well. His brother Tom, I think Johnston under Wayne Bennett, again, has just steadied, wiped all the off-field stuff and all the worry around his position. He's doing his job very, very well. Cook and their bench rotation, as I spoke about before. They're doing a great job when they come on for him. Uh, for the Broncos side of things, Oates made a squillion errors, but I think he's trying his ass off. They rely on him way too much, though. It was telegraphed so many times that they were going to get to it the right tram, shift back left. They just ran him out of space constantly. Yeah, uh, It's a pretty hard place to be. Jack Bird's copping some flack. I at least think he's trying this year. He he's broke. A, he for bro- me, he needs to be involved more. He broke 13 tackles, so he's definitely trying. Um, mm. I thought he was okay the other night. This week, he moves to his more natural right edge. And as far as the middles were concerned, I thought they were all very disappointing besides Payne Haas. And he was also the only one, again, to get over 100 metres, and he's been outstanding since he's been in the side. But um, overall, Brisbane just, yeah, they quit in the second half. Mm-hmm. Excellent by South. Good way to stamp their authority after a couple of close results. Cowboys-Titans, 28-14. I guess the frustrating thing, especially as you as a Titans fan, is to hear today or when Graham Mansley came out yesterday that there was two moments that should have been overturned. So apparently the Asiata try... There was a hint of an obstruction. 
and that should have been overturned in Emily's Lee's opinion. And they've admitted now that Granville initiated the contact with Sammy, and they also should have let that try go. So you're talking about a 12 point swing, mm. potentially a completely different momentum I, of the game. I really, I thought the refereeing in this game was dog shit. I, I wasn't happy. I, the Granville one really pushed me over the edge. In saying that, the the flick passes from oh, Bryce, Bryce Cartwright, Cartwright were fucking disgusting. Yeah, the the play uh, the the level of play at the moment that they're getting out of Peachy out of Cartwright out of uh, Jared Walsh I think was improved um, what's the big fella's name Shannon from? Boyd Shannon Boyd just Kevin Proctor again uh, Mitch Rain I thought they're just uh, a hard team to watch a hard team to support uh, yeah I they got some rough calls, but it was a hard. Night. I thought they had plenty of, of chances. chances to yeah. build pressure, and they just fucking throw the ball away. Uh, dodgy calls or not, you're going to get them oh, throughout the season. Know, the so, there, there's going to be a few where we're going to get a call or two that's going to get us a result. I, but you've got to put yourself yeah, in that situation, oh. like you're saying. Effort and energy is going to put you in there. I think it was going to be a hard night at the moment. I'm losing faith. I, I think Garth Brennan's under some pressure. He has to be under pressure. Mm. I think he's had a pretty good run of things as far as roster in the first two years and making some moves and he spent some money. He's the I'm one not who... sure how much influence Malman Inga's having on this team, but he needs to pull him in and have a a bit of a difficult chat with him. Well, I believe a different voice yeah. to the coach. If he's sitting above Garth Brennan... Well, they've brought him in as like a consultant, haven't they? Or like a... I, I... Well, as far as I know, he sits above Brennan. He oversees the rugby league program. If that's the case, he needs to get these blokes in a room and read them the right act. Because the the club, the club to me, if we, they keep playing like this, they won't exist. Well, the only guy who I look at every week and think I know what I'm going to get is Jai O. Who's going to watch him? I'm rusted on. Like I'll, I'll support yeah, him no matter what. However, yeah. how many how many fans out there are like me yeah. with the Titans? Most of you are a fucking idiot for supporting them. Yeah. Well, again, I think. And I got off the Roosters. I used to support the Roosters and I started supporting the Titans. I thought it was going to be a hard night the moment Gordon went off, knocked out early. They brought Brimson on. I thought AJ Brimson was outstanding and showed some flashes again of the talent that he's going to be. But there's guys there, again, like you said. And I'll bring him up again. I've been saying it last year or two and I'm not going to hold back on it. How anyone, especially... I I respect Matthew Johns, but how he said that he was going to be the best player in the game in two years' time, I have no idea. Because even at that point in time, I thought there was much better halves. But Ash Taylor, right now, would barely get a run in Queensland Cup. He's been terrible. And the fact that he's on a million dollars is a joke. Um, how they paid that money, I would have let him go back to Brisbane at the time. If he yeah, would have walked I'll... into me as a person at a club, you can tell me, a halves come at a premium. I get that, and we've talked about it before. It's an elevated market in itself because there's not enough halves. But if Ash Taylor's manager would have walked into me and said, it's going to cost you a million dollars, I wouldn't have even talked to him. It would have been, okay, we'll, yeah. we'll, take our, we'll cut our losses and we'll move on. There'll be no argument out of me. So, yeah. Peachy, big contract. Boyd, big contract. Proctor, big contract. There's not a lot of consistency coming out of guys that they've bought. Uh, is it a product of the club? Is it the coaching? Is it seen it's, it's as... A, it's a combination of all it, that. It's almost a piss take somewhat yearly that some of these players that go that we consider big names and what they dish up. And again, the, the best thing that's probably happened to him is getting Jai Arrow on an okay deal from the Brisbane Broncos. He's turned out to be a hell of a player. He's a Gold Coast local, along with Keegan Hipgrave and a couple of guys who chose to come back and try to help their local area. And I think he's... Rip tear and busting every week, and I feel sorry for the poor bastard because he's playing with a bunch of people that I think quite honestly aren't putting in the same amount of effort. Correct. I, and I said it last year again for Garth Brennan. 
He also put his staple and his own name on the whole Cartwright deal. We look future proof, don't we? And he didn't just Ugh. he didn't take the deal or get Penrith to pay part of it. They got a proper release and re-signed him and extended him. So that's the one thing from the word go that basically had me off Garth Brennan. He uh Cartwright is I must the sooner admit, we could run him out of the joint, the better. I think he's actually been trying somewhat this year, but the passes are unnecessary. Just run hard. At least get yourself but to the line But where's the accountability? It's none. That's the problem. Where is the accountability? Because other players are looking around going, Yeah, what's going hang on? Hang on a minute. If I did that, I wouldn't get away with it. Uh, yeah, totally agree. I don't know. Uh, going back to the Cowboys, I thought they, again, struggled when Tamalolo wasn't on the field. His first stint was ridiculous. Coming back from a knee injury four weeks early, 120-something metres, scored a try. Four tackle, but like he, he makes the impact in 30 minutes that other blokes make in the whole game. Yeah. I thought Asiata really helped Morgan out in the halves. He had an outstanding game. A lot more better contributions there, but it just shows again. You put Tamalolo back in, McLean, Scott, everyone looks better. Yeah. Um, the second half, when you guys had the ball for the first 15, 20, you gave them trouble while he was off the field. The moment he came back on, they got that try, which turns out now shouldn't have been a try. I thought that was the straw that broke the camel's back. But uh, for the Cowboys, much needed win for your mob. Uh, on to next week but Arrow AJ Brimson I uh, feel sorry for those two guys I really mm-hmm. do Cronulla versus the Storm 2018 absolute cracker result I really enjoyed this game people like blow up and swear at their team and people like message me go hey we beat you like, I'm not disappointed your team was better I'm mm-hmm. not biased I don't look at my club at all and I'm one of the ones who's been rapping the Sharks I was super impressed I was in particular the second half considering the way the first half went it was a bit back and forth I thought Melbourne didn't show enough respect at times but second half Cronulla, bravo. That just ground Melbourne into the floor. Chad Townsend, another one of these guys I speak about again compared to an Ash Taylor. If you ring me tomorrow uh, as a coach and say I can have a 7 out of 10 every week from a guy like Chad Townsend who gets absolutely zero love or pay a million dollars for an Ash Taylor, I take Chad Townsend every day of the week. Yeah. At least I know what I'm going to get every week. Mm-hmm. At least I know I'm going to get effort, kick chase, a decent kicking game, control, defense. I don't need a game breaker if I'm only going to get it once every three or four weeks. I want consistency. I want effort. I want someone who's there to play for my team. His kicking game in the second half and the control was outstanding. The young forwards, Britt Nakora, has just been absolutely brilliant. I know there's been a history in the past with some of these Kiwi kids flashing through and getting the debut jersey, but honestly, right now, which New Zealand back row is playing as good to stop him from getting the jersey in that game? They've got Tokyo and a lot of guys that'll play as middles, not edges, Liu, etc. but Britt Nakora wouldn't look out of place uh, in a Kiwi jersey. As no, far as I'm we, concerned. Um, simply wouldn't. Dugan played one of his better games. The other night, Fafita was really, really effective in his stint and led from the front. And I just, I was blown away, and I really, really enjoyed it. I love the grit in their team. I love what you said. Obviously, that new wave that brings that more skill and more football, along with John Morris mixed in with that old hard style. Um, I think everything's heading the right way. I think Jaden Braley's improved a lot this year compared to his brother, who they've obviously chose to resign because he's much more natural hooker or a smarter hooker and more creative in ball playing, but. Like Jaden's a guy I'm looking at now for someone like a Newcastle. I know Levi's starting to play better, but if he comes on the market, I'm sure there's a couple of clubs there that'll sniff around. Um, just all around, really impressed. But particularly the second half, they just ran Melbourne into the ground. They really did. First half topsy turvy, but yeah, mm. second. They just they frustrated Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Melbourne had a period there where they bombed a couple of tries. To me, Melbourne wouldn't turn the ball back inside. They kept playing to the edge. Mm. Uh, there's a few things there that. I thought Melbourne also lost concentration and floated in and out of the game, but full marks to Cronulla. They deserve the result. And yeah. again, it's it's a win for that stadium and for that ground and for that conditions and that fan base. They just make things uncomfortable. It's great. 
I loved it the night we went there. I, I hated what the refs did because it was like 40 penalties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the environment and being surrounded by the fans, they, they're great. Yeah. Their, their home ground is certainly an advantage. But, um, yeah, excellent for them. Want to see them back up this week. But those guys that we mentioned, Nakora, Townsend, Dugan, Fafita, all the young kids. For Melbourne, I thought Kenny Bromwich, again, a bit of an unsung hero this year, had a very, very good game. Smith was basically taken out of the game in the second half because they did such a good job just stopping us getting out of yardage and having any opportunities. I think when Bellamy said that there's guys that need a tap on the shoulder, Vunavalu is one of those for me. Yeah. Chambers needs a tap on the shoulder. There's a couple of guys that if we don't perform this week against Parramatta, he's stuck solid. But I can almost guarantee if a few of those guys don't play well this week, they're certainly going back. They'll be Their feeder teams. team is nine from nine. There's a couple of guys there waiting. Scott's obviously gone back there. They just upgraded Nico Hines today, who's a young bloke who used to play 20s at Manly. He plays six, fullback, centre. Uh, there's guys in form. Mm-hmm. You don't win nine from nine. And then on the weekend, they won 72 to four. I'm not saying they're all going to be bona fide first graders, but I'm sure he'll cop a couple of losses or play with guys that are willing to make the effort if some blokes aren't. But um, Vunavalu, for me, was poor last year, but he hasn't started this year well at all. Chambers struggled somewhat with Cherry, a guy that's just starting his career. Yeah, um, he, he made his tackles, etc. But at times he was hanging on or caught on the legs or not, not, not dominating someone for a bloke that's supposed to be playing Origin level Agree. football. So, Agree. Yeah. Uh, and Brody Croft again. I, I don't want to throw it all on him because it's not all on him. Everyone's throwing it all on him, but in attack it's still way too telegraphed. Um, how Billy Wattles hasn't played a game yet, I'm not sure. Nico Hines coming in now also puts more pressure. He's a 5 eight. Drink water is going to only be a couple of weeks away. I think there's a reshuffle coming if this continues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, would I'll agree with that. See what happens. Raiders Panthers 30 to 12. I got some hope last week out of the Panthers, and then it just all went away in this game. I thought they again had the better of the possession, had the better of territory inside 20. The numbers showed that. The Raiders, the harder things got, seemed to just lift and raised their level and they were gritty and they embraced the contest and they got after kick out and they pressured the halves and they defended their line inside 20 and to me they just beat up on Penrith and challenged them to a dogfight and Penrith didn't want to get in it with them and they got some simple tries after being under pressure Sam Williams kicked uh, when they reversed on the last tackle I thought that one was way too simple two dummy half crash overs in the second half that's that's the kind of stuff that you just sit there in the box if you're Ivan Cleary and you're disgusted that's, that's unacceptable yeah said it before Obviously, stuff that happened before he got there, but some of the long-term contracts with players like Campbell Gillard, Wanga Blake, they just look like they've suddenly just signed off. Wanga Blake on one of the inside balls from Nathan just sticks out one mitt, leaves the ball. Like, just a shit error for a first grader. Mm-hmm. Two hands, mate, catch the ball. You have enough trouble holding the ball at the best of times, use two hands to catch the football. Yeah. Um, I feel sorry for a guy like James Tarmy. I know he hasn't had the best run of things the first few years that he was there, but I think this year he's certainly been very consistent. Fisher-Harris gave away some dumb penalties, but I'll never question his effort. But overall, they look like a frustrated footy side, and that came out in the end with Maloney's couple of charges. Liam Martin, obviously, with his one as well. Dallin coming in and being a goose again after that tackle on Malachi. Did I think there was anything untoward? He got a bit caught up, but how many rucks do you see that happening where blokes get twisted or moved in a tackle? There was no need to come in and carry on like a peanut. Um, overall, they're a frustrated football side. and Losing Yo and Kikau, both in the first half and then kick out 10 minutes in the second half. It didn't leave me with much hope that they were going to be able to win that game. Agree. And the Raiders yeah, they, did the right thing and stuck their foot on the throat. They're lacking confidence. They're lacking patience. They're lacking composure. They're lacking resilience. Mm. The Raiders, I don't think that was their best performance of the year, but I thought it was important that they came back from the game at Lotto Land yeah. and didn't was- lose back-to-back games because Canberra, one of those sides, I think if they have a slide, 
and they lose two or three in a row, the confidence could go out of them because of what has happened to them in years previous. So that was a very, very important win. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to say go as far as to say that that's going to really cement them a finals position, but I just think it's one of those games that you circle those just difficult games. So it was a difficult game because Penrith had played fairly well the week before against South, took a lot of confidence into that game. You know, Canberra had, had a tough loss the week before, start to question themselves, have a few uh, niggling injuries as well, and then you have Bateman go off. And just there are a few things there that could potentially have led to a, a poor Canberra performance and to giving them an out. But it's another, again, not a close game, but a difficult game that they've got to result in, which is would be very pleasing for Ricky Stewart. I think the most important thing is they've just showed this year that they're willing to fight, which they weren't in the past. And you just mentioned it. There was no Joey Leilua, no Jordan Rapana, so two of their best set starters, their deadly right edge. Topine's barely played this year because he's been injured. Then they lost Bateman during the game. So they were under duress as well. They were. They had as many excuses to underperform or be a bit sloppy, and they weren't. And I think I said it the other week. I don't agree with Blocker Roach coming out and saying Jack Whiten's someone he'd consider for origin to play number six, but he's certainly improving at the position. His kicking game was much better. Defensively in the front line, he's made a huge difference. And buying you know, that whole new attitude that they've got as a team, he led from the front. Uh, Soliola off the bench. Williams has certainly taken Caesar's job now, and there's reports that he wants out. So if no that's surprise. his attitude, I'd be happy to show him the door no if he wants to leave. Uh, Come back to the Titans. But yeah. We'll right. swap you. We'll give you Ash Taylor. Papali, again, I think hasn't got many wraps this year, but he's leading from the front plane of that middle role. They're, they're all just doing their job. And that rotation of young guys, Hudson Young, Corey Horsberg, Emre Gula, Jack Murchie last week, they're also getting invaluable minutes into some young guys that are obviously going to prop up the back end of their squad and the guys they put faith in when they let go of your Shannon Boyd, your junior Paulos, etc., which has turned out to be a great decision so far. So full credit to Canberra in that regard and the result they got this weekend against the Panthers for them. Back to the drawing board, Tigers this week. A um, couple of players missing, a couple of players in. Not too sure, but Maloney cleared tonight. Kickout's been out in the reserves. Farre's back, so we'll see what they come up with. Manly Dogs, 18-10. Uh, I think this can just be summed up in... A real grinding game. I actually quite enjoyed this game. I thought both teams played quite well. For the Dogs, I think it's the same thing we say every week. They're young. They're learning. I think Jack Cogger was outstanding. I think Lewis has been playing really well and, and exceeded my expectations. Marshall King's doing a solid job at nine. Many at fullback looks good, but they're young. Um, they, they struggle to close out games. They didn't get the results inside 20, and we know Manly's goal line defense is absolutely outstanding. And at the critical time in the game there, they came up with a couple of poor seven-tackle set kicks, which led to Manly marching downfield under duress to kick some penalty goals and get clear. And obviously the first 10, 15 minutes didn't help when Holland and Ockenbohr made some poor decisions and rushed in, which LG threw two nice passes to get some tries on the outside. But I think the most impressive thing for me in this is you look at Manly, not all adept, as we said. You come to this game, no DCE, no Tommy Travojevic. You lose Lachman Croker. You've got a complete reshuffle. And then in-game, Adam Fanua Blake and Martin Tapao, who was one of their best players, missed bulk time in that game as well. Mm-hmm. So they literally almost played that game with two less players for the majority. And they both of them come back and did a role, especially Tapao, but they were injured. And then Lachlan Croker didn't last the game. So they basically, at one point there, were playing with 14. And it's those guys we talked about. We didn't expect Brad Parker to be this good. We didn't expect Elliot to be playing the way he is. Ruben Garrett getting his first opportunity. Abbas Miski's first game. Remus Smith jumped over him. Like, who's to not expect that? He'd jump over just about anyone in the NRL. Um, but they're all doing their job. And Corey Waddell, Skazuski off the bench. Waddell, 150 metres, a couple off lads. Like, he's been massive for them. That, that's one that Penrith will be looking at right now, really hurting about, I think. Because some of the guys they kept instead of Corey Waddell and the versatility of a guy that played 
six in the juniors, is big enough to play in the middle, can play on an edge. He's almost like that Syrian kind of mold, come through playing with the skill of a halves, but more aggressive, and it's certainly a big enough body now to play just about anywhere in your forward pack and at an absolute stretch, play centre if you need him to. Mm-hmm. So they've, they've just found some really handy buys money-wise. Manisi Farnu is just, he's outstanding. I think uh, if Coruscant does move on, they're not going to be too worried about that situation because they've got a fantastic nine. Different kind of nine. Can play slow, jump out of dummy half, dictate, manipulate. But then when he wants to run, he's a bigger body. He's got yeah. a great fend, pushes to the ruck, knows never to push the puck. That's probably the thing I think I find most impressive. Ruck manipulation and when he runs, he never forces passes or doesn't mix silly. He does everything on his terms. He just looks like he's got complete control. So, Similar. I thought it was win. a game, you, we just spoke about Canberra, a difficult game. This was a difficult game for Manly. Players they are against a side who just want to grit and fight over a bone and they got the result, mm. most important thing. And it's going to be a game that at the end of the year it's going to separate them from those teams who have dropped games, those difficult games. So, yep. uh, yeah, it's it's a dif- difference-making result. I wouldn't call it a four-point game, but... It's just it did, one of those games you go, well, you turn up and you go, we should win today. We're at home, playing the side who's on the bottom of the competition, uh, and they got the job done. Hey, oh, oh, great. Mm. Uh, dog side, I think, like I said, I don't, think, I don't lose any no, respect I don't either. for them. They were no. good. They ripped in. They struggled a little bit inside 20, but Jack Cogger, that's, that's turned out to be a good buy so far. They're developing a nice combo. Manny looks dangerous every time he touches the football. Uh, Ockenbore, rough night. He's been good in yardage, but defensively, he's certainly got to work on that, but... The second time I heard the radio, because I was driving at the time before I got to watch it, they were throwing it all on Ockenbore. He did the right thing. He followed his centre in. But Holland made a terrible read. They stripped themselves short there. So uh, on their side of things, it's it's just learning, getting those games in they were talking about until they throw out that money to make some purchases. And the critical time will come when they decide who they pay out of that group who steps up and then who they bring in over the top of that. Yeah. I think the bigger thing for them is the talk during the week that this new board has wiped out three or four key figures in the footballing department and that They've gone from one faction to apparently everything steady again, and now it looks like they're going. Yeah, that's interesting. Andrew Hill, Gareth Holmes. Gareth Holmes is one of the guys, and we mentioned him a few weeks ago on the podcast uh, when we were talking about the Parramatta connection um, with Brad Arthur. And Gareth Holmes had gone to, he's been the manager, I think, for the Australian Kangaroos. So a guy who is, uh, you know, well respected and has well performed in, in the game. and he got moved on. So the board's swung the axe. I mean, they've, they haven't got the results, but I think the by, it's a byproduct of the mismanagement of the cap from Des Hasler, not from those staff who unfortunately have, have been terminated, but uh, it's difficult. So the, the timing for me is a little bit strange as well in that, you know, we're eight rounds uh, into the competition. You'd think that that would have been done at the start of the year, at the end of the year, but... Uh, each to their own. I'm not sure how quickly they're looking at getting people in to replace them, but yeah, st- strange times at the doggies. Yeah, off the field, some interesting stuff. That's for sure. But I, I think the they're effort a club with be... a lot of factions as well. You know, like, yeah. I just think they can't be questioning the effort they're putting in, considering the troops they've got available. And there's always the a power struggle from a board perspective and from a leadership perspective at that club. Mm, but good result uh, like I said Cogger and a couple of those guys played quite well uh, Meany etc but just polishing those few experienced players to get some results I think they're still going to upset plenty of people this year uh, they're putting in plenty of effort that's for sure 
Tigers Roosters. Uh, well, this was actually a close game for a period of time in there, and then the Roosters do what we know they can do. Mm. That's just blow a team to pieces. And Latrell Mitchell in particular come to the fore along with Luke Keary, James Tedesco, their forward pack, and to get to half time at one point there. Six all, the next minute it was 18-6. And then they come out and Robbie Farrow got a very questionable try awarded to him purely because it was sent up a try, I think, and the refs found the way to, as they do, get an out. Uh, but after that, the Roosters just ran right. Mm. There wasn't any part of the field they didn't get to exploit their forward pack all, absolutely ripped tour and bust. Tokiaho, exceptional again. Radley doing his job at nine. Like I said, Kiri, Tedesco, the halves, the game management. Latrell Mitchell was just a freak. Um, Daniel Tupo's combination with him on that edge is great. Boyd Corden has playing over his skin at the right time, heading into origin. As a whole, they're outstanding. Doesn't matter who they bring in. They bring Liu back in. They had a couple injuries again. They rotate it. Ryan Hall's apparently getting close. Heard Victor Adler on the road in the weekend saying he's got all the records in the gym there and he looks like an absolute freak. So if he's knees good to go, they've got another option there to probably take Ikevalu's spot, I'd imagine, even though he's going to be healthy soon. This team's just going to get better and better. That's yep. the scary part. Yep. Um, for the Tigers, I think my biggest issue here is consistency. Uh, they put the effort in last week to get a result and fight back after starting poorly, but they got lapped the week before, and then they come out a week later again and get lapped. Isai Masters, I think he's a fantastic footballer, really good in attack, but defensively he's got a lot to work on. Uh, his edge in particular this year, that right edge, left edge attack, teams attacking, uh, has been quite poor. I know it doesn't help that they've had changes with back rowers and halves, etc., in defensive combinations because they've had injuries, but all in all, that that's something that definitely needs to improve. And the other thing is we know under Mike McGuire the focus on tackle and aggression and finishing your tackles off and winning rucks, and they've been quite poor in that regard. And I think, again, he's also dealing with guys that probably are there from a previous regime in Ivan who went there for Ivan who weren't happy with Ivan leaving, which isn't Maguire's fault. Mm. But you got Russell Packer playing cut on about $600,000, who's not really chipping in. I think Madalino's injured at the moment, or did he play on the weekend? I can't remember. If no, he I think Madalino if, played. If he did play, I didn't recognise him. But mm. I think there's a couple of guys there on big pay packets who weren't happy about what happened, which are, again, no direct issue or fault of the coach who's there, but they hurt in your salary cap. It's when, a byproduct of yeah. having a coach walk out when you don't expect it. Exactly. Um, so I think there's a few things there that he's dealing with, but it wasn't impressive. I think well, the other one for me, I like Moses and Bayer, but I don't think he's played well this year. Considering you know him coming over, getting paid well, he's been made the captain. I think, again, that I know he has to play off the back of a beaten forward pack at times now, but I still think he should be doing more. The guy that stands out every week for me is still Ryan Madison. The other one's Alex Twole. He's yeah, been he's trying. He's excellent. He's bumming in. And he's another one like Haas in a beaten side. He was the only guy over 100 metres, 47 tackles. He threw the absolute kitchen sink. Mm. And Madison just continues to impress. So, um, Latrell Mitchell, red hot. All of the Roosters red hot, and things just keep getting better. Moving on from them, Newcastle continue to bounce back against the Warriors in what I thought was a pretty entertaining game. But the difference again this week for Newcastle is that energy, the effort, and the attitude we didn't see before. They're winning their rucks. There's push on their carries. Levi's getting out. They've settled on the spine, what it looks at. I thought kind of Watson looks great just playing that six roll where he runs, and he was very dangerous and effective. Mitchell Pierce's energy levels are up, and he was the best player on field. And Callum Ponga never needed to play six. He injects himself as an extra half anyway from the back. He puts some nice kicks in. He looked dangerous in attack. He ended up being the one who iced the game, but they just look a completely different side, attitude and effort-wise, and clearly all the noise and letting down their coaches got to them, and they've answered the call. Because realistically, at the end of the day, if he's going to lose his job, it's on them. Yeah, in the short term. And I think for the time being, like you said, they've answered the call. But again, we're all ripping into Newcastle a couple of weeks ago. But right now, they're ahead of Panthers. They're ahead of the Broncos. I know those coaches haven't been there for as long. But 
uh, at the same time, I think the players still have to take a big part of the accountability. Yeah, well, every player should be taking some sort of accountability for their performances. I still think he's under pressure. It's a result they needed. They they need to get on a run, definitely. And and this is a potential start of a run because they, they come into the Bulldogs this week. Mm-hmm. That, that could potentially be three in a row. For me, I'll, I'll take them seriously when they get back to a 50-50 record. That's where they need to be. If they want to be a finals team, they need to be in and around that 50-50 record. Um, difficult game to win, no doubt, travelling over to New Zealand. The Warriors had that difficult Anzac Day game uh, where they probably should have won. So it was, it was always going to be a hard one. You never know what you're going to get out of the Warriors. When it got to 18-all, Newcastle, I thought that was a really, really good signing that they settled and were able to go on and win the game because for the majority of it they looked at 18 all I thought that the scoreline flattered the Warriors I thought at 18 all Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Castle deserve to be ahead by a little bit more, but yeah, let's see how they play this weekend. The Bulldogs will give them a different sort of test. They're, they're going to give them nothing, and they're going to grit away and make it uncomfortable. And uh, I thought Parramatta made it fairly easy for Newcastle, and the Warriors did as well. So the Bulldogs will just give them a, a different sort of game. So, but well, it's a game they should win. They, they should I win thought, this weekend, and they'll go three from three, uh, three out of their last three, and they got some momentum. I thought the big issue, the only issue I really took out of is the tries or the opportunities they gave were self-inflicted. They did a real good job of obviously taking check out of the game, as everyone knows. Anytime they were in good ball, they just put it into touch, got them on a set start, which made it a lot easier to ramp up for a Marmolo, a Sheck. Sheck's been averaging 193 metres a game. He only had 20-something in the first half, finished with 90, mm. which is half of what he usually gets. They just wiped him, basically. The set start thing is a good idea. Letting them come back at you in broken field or letting Ken Marmolo wind up, kill, it's very hard to stop them on set starts. So I thought that was a great tactic. Their line speed play, one, two, and three, was excellent. They really ripped into them. But the problem was they generally gave a couple of piggybacks, which led to points when they were doing a good job in that yardage setup. But more importantly, like you said, they steadied after they let those tries in. They iced the game and they blew it out. So yeah. um, good signs from the spine. Forward pack's been much better, leading from the front there. David Clemmer. Barnett's been better. A lot of guys have answered the call, so let's hope we see it again this week and they can make it three in a row. Last one, Eels-Dragons, the game we obviously went to. First half, this started off really, really good, I thought. It cycled. It was back and forth. It was a real arm wrestle. And then at the back end of the half, obviously the Dragons came in over the top and got a couple of late tries. And when they had the penalty go on top of that at 14-0, we were looking at each other with a couple of minutes to go thinking, you know, that's a really positive result, almost the perfect half when you've gone through that cycle and you've defended your line and then taken control. And Leilua comes on the field, just makes zero effort, having no excuse after they've just had all the ball and a rest. And Marnie just crashes over from dummy half, which started a rot. And then second half, it came out the same again. I think it was Frizzell or someone shot out and someone didn't tie in at marker and Gutherson got a clean run 80 metres to the line and Dufty must have been in the line defending because there was no fullback at home. And before you know it, the momentum, the crowd, it all just swung. At this point, uh, obviously, Frizzell's had the eye problem. They started to lose control a bit. They were making some poor errors, giving away some penalties. They scored again and started to really pull away. 
Dragons finally steadied a little bit there where they had a couple of sets in a row and they put pressure on. And then Norman, obviously, when he set that try up, caught that head clash with Sivo, which took him out of the game. And effectively, from that point on, I think Parramatta just kicked on, didn't they? They ran over the top of them. The yardage and set starts of Sivo and Ferguson, who was quiet in the first half but came to the four were outstanding. Paulo had four or five offloads. Sean Lane. It's the fact that they have Manu Mau back now playing off the bench with Kafusi, like... They just maintain the rage, and I honestly have to throw it out there again, like I've said previously. I think James Graham needs to retire. I think Lattimore <laughs> off the bench for them. He's a good player, but he's got no legs. But like that, they're, they're not really helping again, much like last year. Their rotation. Sims is out injured at the moment. I know Jack's going through his situation. Frizzell off the field, but as far as say Vaughan, Frizzell, Sims, like in their rotation, to have no arm out, and I don't have Sims there at the moment, and then you've got James Graham running around who, without a pusher or support, has no hope and no leg speed to dent the line or get a quick play of the ball. He's going to take the option, apparently, for next year, and he's on about $700,000. He needs to retire. That money needs to go to a couple of young forwards because they've got a lot of money tied up from probably 6 to 13, and they don't have enough depth in their rotation right now. And then they've got guys in cut they don't trust to mm. use still in, you know... It just oh, it, I don't know. It dumbfounds me. Like, I get him there, keep him there for coaching purposes, leadership. I'm sure he's great around the club. But as far as playing goes right now, if they're happy for him to take the option, I think they're insane. I'd be sitting down with him saying, we, we'll put you in a coaching job, we'll keep you here, we love having you here, but we, we don't want you to play anymore. I'm sure he wouldn't be happy about oh, that. And it's I, hard. I know he loves playing footy, but he's not playing to the ability of a $700,000 forward, and that's a lot of weight. I think he needs, to, he needs to take a haircut if he wants to play on. But then again... They, they're no the ones that gave him. They, they're the ones that gave him that contract. That's so. the problem. And I had a problem with it at the time. I love him, but he's not worth that. And he doesn't play to that level anymore. So they need help. And like I said, they've got a lot of money tied up, but there's only one way to free up money. Mm. Most of the Widop money's already gone to Norman. They've got a little bit of wiggle room there. Until the Jack situation's resolved, we don't know what's going to happen there. But the real blatant one that's sitting there looking at me straight in the eye is Frizzell. Uh, sorry, not Frizzell. Is Graham on a huge chunk of money that you can potentially put into two good forwards to join your rotation? And they need that help. They're yeah, really they do. So, it, a very important month coming up for both these sides. Parramatta uh, have gone loss, win, loss, win. So you'd like to see them. If they're really, really going to push and be a, a serious finals contender, they need to really put it to Melbourne this weekend. Otherwise, you're just going to keep going on that cycle of win, loss, win, loss. I don't, you know, I don't think you expect them to beat Melbourne. You can't say, well, if you're a finals contender, they have to beat Melbourne. But I think they'll give they, Melbourne. They, they should give Melbourne a really good run for their money if they can be consistent and apply themselves for a, a lengthy period of time throughout the 80 minutes. The Dragons, they're going to lose players to Origin. They've already got players out, so their issue is in and around getting a quality field out on the a quality team out on the field each week. I think that's going to be their biggest issue. I think also the slower start this year and missing players from the go has mm. got to hurt their record moving forward. They yeah. bank wins the last couple of years and they've been able to scrape their way in this year. That may not happen the after. The good thing for those sides are, you know, your Manly's, your Dragons, your uh, Parramatta's, those that are at the bottom of the eight, is there's no one really pushing up through. Yeah, well, I guess they've just got to hope that Penrith and these kind of guys stay down. But mm. at the moment, if things worked out the way we're talking about, Penrith may get zero players in origin. Mm. and may get a bit of a cruisy patch there depending on who they're playing. Because right now, if you don't pick Cleary and Maloney, who else plays Origin for Panthers? No one. No one. Yeah, I've literally got no one in my head. I'm running through the names. Campbell Giller. They can't pick Campbell Giller. Oh, you, can't, I, you can't get picked in the starting 13 for Panthers. Couldn't pick him right now, no, no, that's for sure. So they could get a nice little run there and push up. Who mm. knows? Um, but, yeah. 
Uh, for Parramatta, great effort to turn it around. Reed Marnie's been outstanding on the back of that forward pack. He defends well above his weight. Great in attack, brings spark, good passing, running game. I think, if anything, he's one of the, you know, real not a surprise packet, but he certainly exceeded the level I thought he'd be playing to. He's a vital cog to that spine. Gutherson keeps showing why they need to get that deal sorted out. Uh, Moses was steady in that game, but the set starters, getting Sevo in, who's on minimum wage, Blake Ferguson, they've been worth their weight in gold, and everyone's just doing their job. Yeah. But to get Mau back in with Kafusi and have leg speed impact it off the bench... That really helped. And Junior Paulo is certainly living up to his pay packet after I questioned it. Five offloads in that game. The second phase just killed the Dragons' middle. They really struggled to contain him. So, yeah. there you go. Moving on to some fan questions. Box head straight into it. Jackson Cannon with the increasing amount of injuries in the league at the moment. And the question's about quality fields. How many injuries should we expect to see this weekend with eight games on the same field? Jackson, why? The negativity. Well, I don't, I don't know. I, don't know I, I couldn't tell you, but I'm sure they've got to have some kind of plan in place to maintain the field or have it up to standard for this weekend, or you'd like to think so. Weather permitting, I don't know what that's going to be like, but that's probably one of the only things I could really think would do an absolute mischief on the field. Mm. But I'm certainly not praying for injuries on anyone, that's for sure. No. But we've seen tournaments like the Orchid Nines played over two days, shorter games, but still a volume of games or a volume of play over it. I can't get a calculator out and tell the exact amount of time compared to eight full games of NRL, but... I don't know. I think big stadiums like that have better fields that hold up much better as compared to grounds like Manly that obviously need some tending to and some park grounds that would struggle or some suburban grounds. So I'm going to show some faith and hopefully it does hold up. Ben Maturin says, if you had to pick one of the Bradley brothers as a future hooker moving forward, who would you pick and why? Jeez, oh, difficult. I, they've both got upside. Uh, I'd probably pick the younger fella. I think from pure skill uh, and ability and intelligence, Blake has more of that. But I think if you want a solid defender who's learning his craft and getting better with his game or the better defender or the tougher of the two, I'd probably stick with Jaden. But they've obviously showed their intentions. They've already signed Blake, which clearly tells you what they think of his skill set. Simon Peter, do you think Kieran Walker would work as a halves pairing considering they both play with premium halves who control and steer a team around the park? Well... I don't know what you haven't seen from Kiri already to show that he can play as a number seven or, or a dominant Crump. half. He's done it without Crump multiple times, so I have no issue with that. And Cody Walker, to me, doesn't need someone to steer aside for him. His kicking game is just as good. He chases up, he plays hard, and he has Adley been him just like much Luke Kiri does. I think, if anything, that makes us even more dangerous with both those guys in the field. Mm. And if they can work together and link in and play with Luttrell and play with Tedesco and there's combinations between both sides all throughout <laughs> that and have Murray and Cook involved, the two best teams in the competition right now are Roosters and Souths. If we have seven or eight guys from both those sides playing that side, I'm certainly not going to be complaining. I think they can definitely work together. James Hughes, Croft doesn't go to the line as much as other halfbacks, making that edge very predictable. Is it as simple as being a little tougher or something else? Straightening up. I think he's tough enough. I think his problem is what I said the other week. He premeditates too often what he's going to do. Mm. He's either running or he's automatically dropping a player back on the inside. He doesn't adjust at all or play to what he's seeing. Uh, I think he's plenty tough. I think defensively also does a pretty good job, but um, he just needs to trust himself a bit more and be confident and play eyes up football, which I think he really, really lacks. And I must say it probably doesn't help when they almost freeze him out, but at the same time with some of the premeditated stuff and the plays he's putting on, you can't really blame him from heading most of the football down that left-hand edge at this point in time. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I think you agree with me. If this continues, they probably will look at drink water or someone moving forward. It's, yeah. it's a reality yeah. at this point in time, you'd have to think. Matty Timbrell says, given the Queensland injury woes, is Reid Mahoney the form number nine right now, assuming Smith doesn't go and do a Johnny Farnham? 
Smith's coming back. I don't think they'd put that much pressure on the kid. We all know that everyone loves Benny Hunt. They talk about him playing for Australia as the bench utility and the hooker at nine. I love Reed Marnie, but I don't think I'd do it to him in the current situation no and climate. I think, is he form worthy and is he playing well enough compared to the other guys that have? 100%. But given the injuries and what's going on right now, I just wouldn't do it to the kid. Not this year. Not right now. If they lost the series and Friend wasn't available and McCulloch's out and he's the up-and-coming nine and game three was a, a nothing game, would I throw him in? If he's worthy in the way he's been playing, 100%. Mm. 100%, but not for game one. Robert Cadero, without looking at stats, who would be the starting front rowers in your side? In, well, that's what I don't know if you mean in general or for origin or if you were talking for my side right now, out of the front rows I've watched this year, I could tell you the first front row I'd be picking, it's Andrew Fafita. Andrew Fafita's second phase, his footwork, his motor, the minutes, the amount of work he pumps out, and then I'd pair him with CSCR Takiaho, the way he's played this year, if you were telling me to pick two front rows right now. Yeah. But if that's an open question, yeah. Uh, Brett Sims, where to for the Bulldogs? Well, I think we've gone over this a million times. Keep doing what they're doing. Keep growing the kids. Keep pushing through. Uh, they may not get some results, but grow. They went good in the SG ball and the Harold Mats again this year. I don't know about how their jersey flag side's doing, but they're trying to push some kids through and rebuild their pathways, and they need to wait until the salary cap frees up. Simple as that. Jordan Palmer, if you were Bellamy, which blokes are you tapping on the shoulder to tell them to lift their game or risk being dropped? Everyone. Well, I think we can agree prime candidate right now for me is Vunivalu. I think Croft would have got that tap on the shoulder and I think that Will Chambers is under some pressure as well. Those well, are probably my three prime candidates. The culture that I have down there though, they he won't have to have that conversation. He will have that conversation. He doesn't have to though because they, I'm pretty sure they do like a... They do honesty sessions every week. They basically let each other yeah, know. A lot of the sides are doing that now where they're above the line, below the line and all that sort of stuff. So. Melbourne had, used to have what they had, green light, Orange light, red light, basically. Yep. Saying you were good, you were okay, or you were under, and blokes just are accountable. And they take on board what everyone's saying because it's for the better of the team and it's, you know. Yeah, I think most NRL teams will be doing that. Mm. Jackson Brown, have the Knights turned a corner and now they're now in contention for the top eight? Well, I don't think they've turned a corner yet. I think. They've definitely turned a corner. They've they turned a corner because they're but... playing better, but we're, yeah. I don't have them in my eight yet. If they get another win this week and get to four from five and a couple other teams lose, they're right back in the mix. There's no doubt about that. The the, the best thing for Newcastle is the struggling form of a lot of other sides because there's no real pressure in terms of getting into the eight, is there, really? I mean, what are they now? Two or four points out of the eight? They're not far away. They're only a win out. Yeah. That's it. So there you One go. win and they're fucking back in the bottom half of it. So yeah. they're right there. Uh, what else have we got here Dexter Hoy should Cody Walker be in the origin team or we both think he should be in there on form whether that's starting or off the bench we both think he should be there 100% Dave Crellin what can spark the Panthers into gear Dave your guess is as good as mine at this point in time they need to sweep all the shit off the field out and focus on football Mm. Because their job is to play football. They're professional footballers. And we've mentioned this before. That there's still some stuff overhanging off-field. We know that, that a lot of guys are still uh, worried about some things that are potentially... Well, you, know, you know what's put a halt to all that? The court case. Mm. That's what's put a halt to all that. Because the people who have leaked tapes previously are now worried that um, you know if someone's been made accountable for leaking it anonymously, well, not even anonymously, but leaking a video without consent and there's going to be a consequence for it so the videos are stopped so the outcome of that court case will probably dictate 
what happens with these other videos because mm. there's some very worried boys at Penrith. Mm. And that's the thing. When you, when you, we've said this before, people go about mindset or how you play your best football. When you've got a clear head and everything's going good in life and your life balance off the field and things are going good, it's very easy to go train hard, play hard and be focused. When you've got things hanging around, you're not sleeping properly, you may not be as focused, you might not be doing your video. It, it creeps into every aspect. All the little things bring your week together to be able to play your best football when you're clear-minded and you're focused. And there's clearly some guys at Penrith right now. And I have no sympathy for them because it's in their actions. In that situation. George Shembury, Whitehead's tackling style last week, DCE, then kick out this week. Same weird tackle near the line. I can't say I I lined them up, mate. Top of my head, mate. I can't think of the two tackles you're talking about. Send us a video. Send us something. Cut us a clip if you've got anything. Love to have a look at it. Have to have a look, but yeah, from watching eight games and working over the weekend, everything else, I don't remember everything, unfortunately. But yeah, send us a clip if you can. Scott Brony, would you like to see players in the press conferences? No, again? they give the same fucking answers. Ah, no, boring. I'm sick of listening to players. Whenever, to yeah, NRL 360. Whenever the players are on, I just fast forward it. Yeah, put me to sleep. Switch city committee. Should the NRL be looking at the 18th man, or would coaches just explore? Absolutely, it? they should be. We've talked about this before, definitely. Pete Wikes, would you rather be poked in the eye or whacked in the nuts? Maybe you can ask Tyson for Poked in the eye, Which definitely. is worse. Cause poked in the eye. He had a busted nut and then he got poked in the eye on the weekend. Poked in the <sighs> eye. Poor. Tyson is tough as titties. Leave though. me figs alone. He is tough. Amateur Sharma, how much of a factor is Adam O'Brien's departure in Melbourne's poor form? No one seems to be talking about this and focusing on the fact that we don't have Cronk and Slater anymore. Well, Again, I think an attack coach or an assistant coach is one thing, but you're talking about two guys that are 300-plus gamers, grand final winners, internationals and origin players. I think they make a bigger difference than an assistant coach does. Melbourne have everything in place to be successful with Craig Bellamy, whether Adam O'Brien's there or not. But Adam O'Brien's gone from one great team to an even better team as far as Cattle's concerned. Again, whatever attacking system comes into place, I think the Roosters at times are doing things not because of things he's introducing coaching-wise. It's just off pure talent. So that's my opinion. You, Brock, do you think Adam O'Brien makes a huge difference? They've to all, what they've all doing? had an impact, no more or less than another. Losing Cronk, uh, I think, is huge. When you compare Losing the Slater is massive. Yeah, but I think for Cronk, you compare what he does with his kicking game because Munster doesn't have a fantastic kicking game, tactical kicking game. I think they've they've lost a significant amount there. The coach definitely, but Slater. From a defensive perspective and an organisation of the defence and ball playing, he certainly takes pressure off Croft from a ball playing perspective and Cronk would have taken pressure off Croft from a kicking perspective. So they all have a different role to play, I think. Mm -hmm. Lee Turner, all right, boys, it's come out again that Fafita wants to represent his country and not play for New South Wales and a lot of people get upset. What are your thoughts? For me, it's a good thing if more players choose to represent their heritage. We talk about wanting the game to grow by making international football stronger and not so one-sided. Surely this helps. I have no problem with it. I don't know what everyone's upset about. Yeah, he, he made that choice, like Tamalolo, to go from Origin in Australia and Tamalolo from New Zealand and Tonga were great in that World Cup and I hope more players go there and they get paid and become a Tier 1 nation because the better the international game is, that's more good football for us to all watch. Agreed. Origin's yeah, good. Yeah. Origin should be left to guys that are born in Australia or grew up if you've born in New Zealand and been here for 16, 17 years. I'm fine with that, but you shouldn't be able to swap over at the absolute last second at 15, 16 years old and declare yourself eligible. The more guys that play for their nations, the better the better the World Cup gets, the better the international game gets. But again, they need to help out guys like Fiji when we stole Semi Rara or if we steal another guy like Sivo or someone else tries to poach him. Those kind of guys need to play for their countries, but we also need to spread the wealth internationally to be able to get those guys to want to play for their countries mm-hmm. as well. 
Chris Wood says, thoughts on Tom Dearden. I thought he was constantly looking for someone, but his teammates left him with not a lot to go on for the most part. Love the show. I thought he was great, considering what he had to work with in, yeah, in that as well. He was very good. For an 18-year-old who's given up 30 kilos, he ripped it in defense, clearly didn't dominate the rucks. He challenged the line. He poked his nose through a couple of times. He's clearly an organizer, which is something they don't have in Nicarima and Milford. He was barking orders. That's massive for an 18-year-old kid. Yeah. Um, and playing for the Broncos. It's huge. So I think he's only going to get better, and it's part of this, again, kind of transition moving forward. He's going to play plenty more games for him, I think. Yeah. He did a good job. Jeff Gumbleton says, at what point should fans call bullshit on blaming old coaches for their team's problems? I'm a Knights fan. I think Bennett done a number on the joint, but I can't help but feel like the administration has as much to blame. I feel like it's the coach's job to win comps and admin to future-proof the club. Thoughts on how the blame should be distributed? Yeah, I agree with what you said. Agree. Well, I think the blame just... Is... Nathan Brown's been handed the keys to that organisation, though. Plain and and that would be my oh, argument, too. He hasn't been handed completely. They've still got well, a lot of signed, control over the He signed whoever doing. he wanted to, and he's been able to run that team however he's wanted to. They've also signed him to a contract that means they can flick him at any point No, in he signed that contract. No, no, he no. wanted that contract. You're saying he's got full control. Clearly, he does. He's got full control. They didn't give him a six-year guaranteed no, no, he's deal got, with... He's know, had five years. It's four years. You're wrong. He's had five. Yeah, three. This is his fourth. What are, you, what are we talking about here? Four years that he's been at the club. Full control. He doesn't have full control. He's got a lot so of control. So what doesn't he have control over there? Well, he's got to work in with people with about recruitment and all these bits and pieces. They don't give him full autonomy over everything. So what hasn't he got that he's wanted? I don't think much, but he's working in go. with the club. Just answer your own question. But you're he's saying got, he's, got more... he doesn't rule with an iron fist. Oh, well, They've got enough control well. to flick him right now. He's had like enough, enough control... He's got less job stability than anyone in the NRL. Through his own doing. Yeah, which is good. So, therefore, perform or perish. He's owning it. And I think they've done a good job turning it around and people are freaking out I after don't, a couple I don't of games. I, I, my perspective on that is, is, you know, you look at Seabold, you give guys like that time. Brown now, like, you need to see the results improving. He didn't start with what Seabold's starting with, though. No, no. And I, he's not well, winning right now. Hang either, on a minute. So. I think he started with he started with a remnant of Bennett, which is similar to Trash. what... Yeah, and look, and it wasn't I, I, even close to the I don't same think sort. it's. He didn't have eight guys that should be playing first grade who were twenty one and under, who were f- potential future Origin and rep players. He had yeah, dead wood, you're shit long term contracts. So, Jared Mullen on a five year deal. Thing. Darius Boyd never. Co- yeah, same thing. Whether it's potential and it's old, or whether it's potential and it's young, it's still underperforming mm-hmm. in both aspects. Uh, but I think the the line that you could draw there is that he's dealing with a place that hasn't been left with a roster that's, uh, I guess, competitive, but also it's not a happy place. He didn't. Nathan Brown didn't take over a happy roster and a happy club. No, but he didn't take over a so club. I, and and that's why I totally it, so. agree. I totally agree that um, he should have been given time because they had the, the Tinkler issue, they had the Bennett issue. But all I'm saying is, is that it's fucking time to perform. You can't just keep saying next season, next season, next season, next season. You wanted the contract. You obviously thought you had the... Roster and things in place to perform, perform. Yeah, and the players have to take their part in that too. Well, you're not, you're not getting an argument about the. Now you're flipping the argument to the players again. We're talking about the coach. Mm-hmm. But he's asking here about blaming old coaches and blaming people with problems. The blame goes to where it belongs. Yeah, so. the blame the blame is his and the admin. They've they've all got to take and the players because you can't look in the revision mirror if you're Newcastle now because everything they've done there and they've created there it's past that generation. It's their generation now. 
But yeah, you so own it. You Everyone's got to own it. You distribute it to where it needs to go. Plain and simple. So yeah, on the but the coach is the, is the one that's heads on the block. Whether you, whether you like it or not, whether he likes it or not, no, I agree with you. And he took that deal, and I admire him yeah, for doing it. So do I. Because I don't have a, I don't have a personal vendetta with Brown. I just think he he's under pressure. Like distributing like blame is plain and simple. It goes to who owns it. So when everyone says Desi didn't do that, the club this, that, and the other, it's on the admin. and It was on Des because they gave him absolute full control, autonomy, player recruitment, money salary cap and he trashed the joint and they left it in a poor state. And that's and why a lot of eyebrows have been raised this week on the Bulldogs chopping those blokes because a lot of those guys didn't have anything to do with the situation they've been left in. Yeah. Jay Fleming, following in from Smith v. Munster handbags last week, what is the biggest on-field blow-up you can recall between teammates? What oh, happened between Smith and Munster? Uh, people are carrying on. like There's infighting just after the last play of the game where they took the tap and went to shift play and he got caught with the ball and they had a bit of a Bark oh, at okay. each other. That's just heat of the moment yeah. stuff. They're a team that was well. There one was one. Loss. I thought there was one on half time where Smith set up for the field goal and Munson went the blind side and put a shit kick in. Nah, that was that was one that where Smith wasn't happy. They so. didn't look blown up. That but stuff you, you argue on the field every week. That's yeah. right. We have our junior guys fight every week. Like people get frustrated in the heat of the moment. It's rugby league. Not fight. You just no, you, you have a disagreement. You get on with it. You're playing a physical game, a violent game. Tensions boil over a lot of the time, but I think people are reading way too much into that. You're talking about a team that only had one loss prior to that game, and suddenly, oh, there's cracks appearing in Melbourne. Yeah. It's like, really? You got Penrith and teams that have got two wins, and you're talking about a team that's just lost the second game. Like, yeah, but if they can see the argument, they're going to make something out of it. Yeah, I'm good on them for it. Danny Ward, how good are the NBA playoffs? Lol. Well, I haven't seen much of them because they're on during the day when I'm at work, well, mate. So I'm glad Celtics, you're enjoying them. Or our Celtics aren't going real good. Nope. 3 1 down, so. Uh, Golden State, Houston, loving that series. Mm. Paul K. after St. George's great team try at the weekend, what are the best tries you've ever seen? Well, I think for the... stuck in the 90s. For the history of it and the fact we're there, I think the centenary test where Joe I threw the football over his head and Gaznia scored, we were there for that. That was a pretty big moment. Mm. The I've... try on the weekend was good. The Dufty try That's what good. he just said. Yeah, yeah, I know that. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, it, was, it was a good try, but... Um, GI in the grand final. It's also... I think also the high, the ground... And the uh, the atmosphere makes a good try as well. The, those try the two tries where I think South beat the Roosters in the last play of the game, and the Roosters beat South in the last play of the game. That might have been 2013, 2014. They were unbelievable. Might have even been earlier than that actually, uh, but they were Monday night games, I believe, and they were unbelievable tries. So the Brett, there's a Brett Mullins try in the nineties mm-hmm. where he chip and chases twice, I think, and scores. So. Uh, how do you think Leisha would go at the Roosters if he makes the move this year? Seems to go well at cut, but struggles to keep his spot for the Dogs. Well, he plays in a side that doesn't suit the way he plays, and I think mm. I still stick by what I've said the whole been time. Been saying that for five years. Oh, I'm still sticking by it. I still think he's a good footballer, and he's been coached poorly, and he's not utilised well. He went, not poorly. He's not poorly coached. He's not well, going to be poorly coached in the NRL. You brought an attacking he's, player to come over and told him maybe he's going to make 40 he's, Maybe he's playing in teams run. that aren't utilising what his strengths are. I can yeah. agree with you there. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's not put it this way. Coached. The Roosters wouldn't be looking at buying Michael Leisha if he couldn't play football. But the think, argument's not, but you can't say he's been poorly coached. He might, might have been poorly utilised. Well, he was taken away from what he does well, which yeah, is poor coaching. Poorly utilised. So I think if they pick him up, that's a great move for depth, and they'll get him for absolutely zero. So it's good boy. Duncan Bridgeford, how big of a factor do you think it would be for players to potentially look to sign with the Eels to play at Bank West? Surely it's a big advantage. Well, they're not going to be able to, really, are they? I don't really think a stadium, it's it's part of the deal, but if you think the club's poorly run and you're not a fan of the coach and things are unstable, you wouldn't go there. 
like the stadium's your draw card, but Brisbane's but you can't, a good stadium. Are, you, are they able to use that? Well, I suppose they are. Walk Sta- them around you, it or you whatever. You still play there anyway. It's not a real big draw card for me, uh, to be honest. You're going to play there anyway a couple of times a year. Well, I think West the, the bigger, the bigger uh, carrot is a training facility. I think the yeah. facility that the Panthers have got is a huge carrot. Brisbane's got one now. And yeah. A couple of clubs have got them. I think that you're right. Things that you use every single day, uh, probably a bigger factor. Matty Barnes, if Australia was playing a test match this week and Damien Cook was not available, who do you think would get the number nine jersey? Uh, Cameron McInnes. Yeah, if friend was healthy, I'd say friend. But if you were gonna, saying this week, if you were going to go after who's available right now, yeah, I think same deal. If if Cook was out right now, McInnes would be the nine for Origin, so that would be that would be the one. Omar Haydar, last week you asked South supporters who would they want to replace GI if they released the funds. In my opinion, I want Robert. I don't want Roberts. We all seem to have forgotten about Burns and Dwayne mm. stocking up for Fords. In Sutton may retire this year, and Tavita Pangai Jr. and Lodge could come in for me. I wouldn't pay Robert six hundred thousand, five hundred thousand, plain no. simple. But it just looks like that's where it's headed. So I know Wayne loves him, and if they're willing to do that, that's fine. But yeah, I think a lot of people have also forgot Adam Dewey. Who it's can also play. if they go and sign Roberts, there's no hope of getting Mitchell. No, and Dewey as well coming back. I don't know what role he plays then, unless he becomes the bench utility. I think he'll. I think you'll find he'll head north. I think he was a guy he's that a I thought guy that Seabold really likes. So, or he's re-signed last year, so oh, he? he won't okay. be going anywhere for the time being. I don't think. Well, look at look at contracts mean nothing. But anyway. See what happens. Steve Delaney Cruz, who is the best fullback in your opinion out of Tedesco, Trebojevic, and Roger Tuivasa-Shek? Uh, I think Tuivasa-Shek. He's won a, uh, a Dalian medal. He's played at the Roosters, played on the wing, played fullback, moved to the Warriors. I think right now, if you said to me, if their career's all ended right now, who's the best fullback? I'd say... Sheck. In terms of this year, I think it's been Tedesco, and potentially it could be Tommy Turbo. But he's, he's Tommy's been carrying in a lot of injuries. He's been in and out with his injuries. When he's on the field, he looks great. But yeah, he's certainly got some injury issues he needs to sort out. Greg Bale, who's struggling more right now, Penrith or Brisbane? And your thoughts on what's going on? Well, I think we've gone through that enough tonight. But who's struggling more? I think there's been probably more of a struggle out at Penrith, to be honest. Mm. I think Brisbane are a lot younger and they've got a lot more excuses given the change over what's happened. Penrith have got a new coach, but their roster's a lot more stable and there's a bit more expectation out of what was going to happen there. So I'd say they've struggled more. Eddie Tan, as a fellow Titans supporter, how fucking done are you? Yeah, not happy. So, mm, Eddie, Brock's with you, mate. Adam Ingare, two questions. How much of a loss will Bateman be for the Raiders? And if Cody Walker is a viable option for the bench spot, if Keir, uh, selectors go with Kiri and Cleary, well... I think you would agree with that. That's an option, definitely, to put him on the bench. Yeah, I agree with right you. now that's where I'd probably pick him. And how much of a loss is Bateman? Well, huge given what he's done uh, in the first few rounds and then not having to pine on a couple other guys not available. But I think they've been resilient this year and let's hope we see another resilient side again this week against the Roosters. But he's been ripping in. He's played middle. He's played yeah. an edge. He's had an impact. He's set up some tries. He's offloaded the football. He breaks tackles. He's, he's been very important so far. Sparky Bear says, how about those Sharks? How do you rate the young players? Or did Melbourne make them look good up, up Cronulla? Well, again, bit of both. covered a bit of that. But yeah, they got some great talent. Vandal Cricket says, hey, guys, I'll start by saying I'm not a Dragons man, but considering they are without Widop, DeBellin, Frizzell for the start of the season, Corbin Sims, and now Norman, they're actually doing quite well considering all that. They are high-quality players who would be a big loss for any club. Do you think that when they get all their players back, depending on DeBellin, of course, are they a top four side? 
I don't think they're a top four side. I think they're a top eight side. I think it's too late for them to get to the top four. But if they had everyone on deck from word go, they could have competed for the top four, no doubt. Chris Vance, he's after Magic Round. He says, are you looking forward to it? And he would have preferred a massive bush round played in regional areas to expose the game. I think you could still do that as well. Well, I think they've taken a lot of games. There was a game in Wagga last weekend. They went to Tamworth the other way. I think clubs are doing the a NR- good job. The thing is, that the, the misconception is it's the NRL's job. It's not the NRL's. No, it's the clubs. The NRL's don't do it. The NRL doesn't do that. The clubs do that. They sell the games to you know areas for tourism purposes, etc. So mm. that's, that's on them. Zach Maitland, Brisbane's forward pack is full of young stars, but they are consistently getting dominated by other packs. Is the loss of Maguire the reason, or is it something else? Well, I don't think Maguire is exactly a dominant forward. He's a, he's a great forward. He's good defensively, and he sets the tone. He's aggressive, but attacking wise, I wouldn't say he's a dominant carrier of the football. He's a worker. I just think that, like we spoke about before, there's a couple of guys there. Heads probably aren't in the right place. They're giving away a lot of penalties and making a lot of errors. Mm. Blake Dixon, why are Penrith so shit? I'm born bred Panthers fan, but Jesus Christ, they're hard to watch. Should we be dropping players back to cup? Who's more disappointing right now? Penrith from Brisbane. A lot of people on that no, one. they're both. Who, who you drop back other. right now is more dictated on what you're bringing up and how well they're playing. I think they're going all right in cup, but I don't think it's the responsibility of young guys like William Burns or Spencer Lanier at this point in time to come up or Brian too. Kate Ellis is up this week and a couple other guys that are playing, but I don't think a lot's going to change right now with the majority of the team playing poor. A couple of those guys coming is not enough to turn it. The whole side needs to turn around, uh, you know, what they're doing if things are going to improve. John Butterworth says, boys, if you're ever in Brisbane, would you ever consider a live pod from a local KFC? Keep up the great work. Yeah. I don't think KF would let us in there, but yeah, I do love the Colonel. 24 for 10. Matty Hunt, he's back. Brock, for the first time, your boys at Melbourne are a complete bunch of passenger dogs. He's got us mixed up. <laughs> I'm the Melbourne fan. Brock's a Titans fan. Lewis is the Melbourne fan. And yes, they were, <laughs> they, they were awful this week. They weren't as bad as the Titans. He but. said they had the nerve to fuck everyone's multis last week. Yeah, and anyone did. that you would want Bellamy to they tap did. on the shoulder. Well, we've named a few blokes, but oh. yeah, I'm sure plenty of people bet some money this week. I lost a two-legger, big money on a two-legger, Rooster Storm. Oof. Jason Lamley, I've been saying it for 10 years that there should be corner posts in the 20-meter 40-20s. Seems like yeah, a couple of close ones yeah. on the weekend. The idea is finally getting traction. What do you think? Well, no, I agree. It's good. And Gus Good spoke idea. about it last night on uh, 100% footy. No, he he came up with the idea it, and like, they said at the time that it was complicated and we confused players and they shouldn't do it, but it makes perfect yeah, sense, really. Is it? it makes perfect sense. Smith put a kick in the other night that I thought was very bloody close. If there was a post there and you hit it, you would have given it to him, probably. So what happens if it hits the post is a question. Well, is it... I mean. You'd have to make it probably like the uh, touch and go, I guess, and count it as part of the dead ball line. So if you and hit you just it... have to make sure that that post is always straight. Yeah, that's the only issue you'd have, I guess. Johnny Cashman says, Lewis, which premiership of the Storm are you most fond of? Well, the real one in 2012 would be the one I'm most fond of because after you thought they'd won a couple of legit titles, which turned out to be uh, fraud ones, and then losing in that uh, prelim final in 2011, I think it was, when they played with less players and less salary cap, I I was a bit worried there wouldn't be another opportunity. So, yeah, just to win that one in 2012 would be the most fun one. Dinos Daniel says Latrell Mitchell. I think we've spent plenty of time on him, champion. And also, who are your top five players in the NRL? His are Smith, Tedesco, Kiri, Latrell, Tamolo. Also, how good is this bloke going? Satili Tupanua, a one-man wrecking crew. He's certainly earning a spot on the bench, I think, right now, with yeah. the form and the way he's been playing. Top five players, you'd think, with current form. Smith's still one of them. I think, again, the control he's got over that side, the influence, that's without question. Tamolo. 
comes back, turns his team's fortunes around the weekend. Kiri and Latrell in the same side with Tedesco. Kiri, Latrell, Tedesco think, for me are the top three easily. I think Sheck, Smith. if he had more help around him, I think he's almost a one-man crew over there, but he's not getting a whole lot of help. But I wouldn't argue with many of those players. Mike Winkley, guys, competing against my wife in a tipping comp. I've watched League all my life. She knows absolutely nothing, and she's just achieved a perfect round from this weekend, and she's four ahead. All this, plus I'm a Warriors fan. Do I just pull up stumps and quit forever? Yes. I think, Mike, for the fans, you have to play on and continue, but if your wife starts doing that thing where they look at the animals and tip that a panther would beat a rooster and shit like that, then you just divorce her. You just divorce her. Just break up with her. Shit. Nah, I take that back, Mike. But it is frustrating when people just tip random shit and pick colours and stuff like that and the win. The more you know, the less you know, Mike. <sighs> Tipping. Daniel D.B. Bennett says, Canterbury Cup just named the residence team. How many of these blokes do you think will get a crack in top grade over the origin period? Billy Britton for Damian Cook, Kieran Moss for Teddy, etc. Honestly, mate, I haven't seen the residence side, to be honest. I saw the no, Queensland... But I didn't see that team name today. They were a day later, I think, um, than the one I saw for Queensland. But quickly getting it up now and having a look. Kieran Moss, Christian Crichton, Reuben Rennie, Morgan Harper, Brian Tu, Connor Tracy. Connor Tracy could get a run at South Sydney in the halves if uh, Cody Walker was to move up. Brock Lamb, obviously get a run, most likely. Or Adrian Lamb, they'd be fighting for that spot if Luke Keary... Moves in. Billy Britton's a no-brainer to come in and play nine if, uh, obviously, Damian Cook's going to be missing, which will likely be the case. Uh, other than that, Josh Curran will probably get some time for the Roosters, as he did during that game the other week with the back rowers being away at origin. Uh, there's not many other names in there, to be honest. It's a, it's a pretty strong side, but those few guys are likely to get some game time during that period. And then he's also said here, if we ever thought about playing again some local park footy, I thought I retired. My wife wish I did. But every weekend I get that nagging feeling I'm supposed to be doing something. I'm 32, I'm back playing, and it's great. Well, if I didn't have so many injuries, I'd consider it, mate. But uh, for health reasons, that's why both of us stopped. We're not uh, able able to play anymore due to the injury we've got. Playing would be great, but I just don't feel like having surgery again. So it's not worth the risk anymore, that's for sure. Uh, Resection of Frizz's Nuts says, Boys, did I hear that you might be going to Mudgee for the Dragons-Knights game? Yeah, potentially. It's a possibility. Uh, some things need to fall into place for that to happen for now, but very possibly. There's a mm-hmm. few family members that live up in Mudgee, so that might work out, but we'll have to wait and see. Chris Hemsworth says, like, the media really seems to flush the Seabold. It happened last year with the Rabbitohs flopping out of the finals, and then when the Brisbane talk started this week, with all the Bennett versus Seabold stuff, he didn't handle it too well. What do you reckon? Yeah, he's got to look at it. Yeah, I think he's definitely just got to... You know, cool his jets, cool his jets, and play it off, and do a bit more of a straight back like Wayne Bennett. But he does seem to get a bit tense. Daniel Friend says, "With Turbo out, is Alex Johnson a smoky for the wing spot?" No. For his yardage, yeah, I wouldn't do it, but I think he's playing some good football. The Bucks to asked, "Were you livid at Philip Semi for that play?" I don't know which one he means. No, if which... he means grabbing, but if that was the one, I smashed my remote anyway. That's been cleared now, and then they've also got an ear from Nick Beck's thoughts on the two no tries. It seems that the game should be ref to the letter of the law if the Titans are worse off. No way, Car who played the ball properly for Granville to score that try. No, I, I I was pissed at multiple occasions when Titans. Uh, Titans tries were sent up to the video and the Cowboys ones weren't. They were just blown. That just made me livid. And it comes back to that theory where people think that refs favour certain teams or oh, just trust teams. and the bottom clear in that game. So. so clear in that game. 
Yeah, because uh, well, no one's going to complain about the Titans, so play on. Anyway. David Wright says that the Shark Storm game is fantastic and Neocora is going to be an absolute star and that's the best he's seen Dugan play and that also Melbourne were great. They were fantastic and they don't give up. But The thing yeah. is, Dugan's going to play like that every week. Well, he's on 800,000, so you have to. Yeah. Matty Swinborne is another Rabbitohs fan who says, RE James Roberts for 500,000, no way. Too many injury woes. Isn't half the player GI was and still has off the field issues that I don't think are resolved. I think Dewey is out medium term right center anyway and he also doesn't know about the finger length chicken stuff you were talking about last week but said KFC had mashies and that was the best thing they've ever done they're called croquets I had an inbox and uh, they are sort of it's like risotto crumb risotto and they're delicious so a porto croquets they're called so if you want to google them they're called um, croquets you can get them like vegetable ones I found a cheese and bacon recipe I'm going to knock up this weekend just breadcrumbed Invite me over. Frizz's nuts. He's back. He says, boys, watching Manly, which team made the biggest mistake in letting the following go given their position and hardly setting the world on fire? Ruben Garrick at the Dragons, Elgie at the Titans, or Waddell at the Panthers? Well, let's be fair. For the Dragons, you've got plenty of outside backs. So I don't think you really lost. And no offense to Garrick. He played outstanding on the weekend, but two of those tries were laid on a platter for him to crash over. Yardage works solid, but I think he's just a steady first grader. With players that they've got, that's not a big loss, but he's a good player. LG, uh, again, he was dropped last week. He played outstanding this week. And, but, yeah, he got dropped last week, so let's not forget that. Corey Waddell is the standout. The guy can play middle, he can play an edge, he can play center, he can play 5'8". He's at 100 metres plus in every game. The tunnel ball try assist, the tip on the other week for Martin Tapao. The kid ticks all the boxes, and most importantly, he's fit as a fiddle. He's strong as all hell. He's mobile, he's dynamic, and he's just a good kid. Um, I don't know what they're doing as far as locking him up because I'm pretty sure he just went on a one-year deal and is on probably the minimum wage. But I'm sure if I'm the Dragons right now, I talked earlier about needing some young dynamic players to come join that side. If I'm a club, I'm ringing right now and inquiring about Corey Waddell. Yeah. Because if Manly aren't going to upgrade him or if he's happy there or not, he's somebody I'd definitely be looking to get in my side. Dave White says, have you seen that many long-distance tries in one game in relation to the Eels-Dragons? Too good. If you make errors, you lose games of footy. He thought it was a shitty sin bin and still not sure about Frizzell's knock-on that led to the first try. Uh, there was a couple of long-distance crackers, that's for sure. Marky B, Latrell Mitchell to six in the future. Some say he only made seven runs or 13 possessions versus West, but imagine what he could do with more ball at six. But isn't the risks of this diluting his impact? Does more quantity equal more quality for Latrell? Hashtag Laurie Daly impersonation. Well, the thing about it, Mark, is if you're going to play Latrell at six, does he get the quality ball that he gets now from quality halves and the platform that's laid by a good forward pack? Mm. Well, when you're at six, you don't always get quality back. ball. He's, he's, if he's not a centre, he's a fullback. Yeah. I think at six, again, you need a forward pack and play second fiddle and pick his times to run, but I don't think he gets any more involved. I don't want to force him to get the football or pass or do anything silly. The moments where they just give him early ball off the back of you know, good play or get him one-on-ones, they do it for a reason. They mm. utilise him at the right times. They don't just force football down his throat. Uh, fullback on keep returns, he'd be outstanding, but I still think he'd probably need to get fitter to play that position and be impactful for a full 80. Luke, but don't touch. Ivan Cleary showed at West that he was more D-focused. Now at Penrith, it looks like he's more attacking. His in- strategy is inadequate. If you blokes were the head coach, what would you do at this point? Is it personnel, strategy, or both? Does he need an experienced attack coach? I don't think he needs an attack coach. I think he needs his players to pull their finger out and start playing footy. Yeah, that's probably best for me not to comment on 
because I sort of know the ins and outs of a, a little bit of what's going on there. Look, like you said before, the uh, I just think it's funny that we're going to argue about Nathan Brown and everyone's happy to defend Nathan Brown, but they're not happy to defend Ivan Cleary. No one's jumping all over the Panthers players talking about um, accountability. I, the Panthers roster has been proven to be a finals roster. They've got origin players there that are just not playing up to form, but they're, for some reason, flying under the radar and not getting carved up as much as what um, some other clubs are. Plain and simple, you can cut it whatever way you want. The players aren't playing well enough there, uh, and they've had a lot of distractions. The the, uh, the, the videos and the off-field stuff that happened pre-season just absolutely threw a, a grenade in a room, really with Penrith and there's still some of that that's out there that hasn't been released and on top of that you've got poor form there's just a whole heap of stuff off the field that's going on that's affecting Penrith on the field they're just going to play better they've got a shitload of good players they should be going a lot better so forget about attack coach D coach head coach they're all, they're all there no doubt they're getting good coaching and they've been told what to do and they're, they've been game planning. If anything, the Panthers at the moment are in danger of overcoaching, trying to do too much, trying to shove too much down the players' throats. Uh, and that's a dangerous situation as well because the players can just switch off and stop listening. So it's a, it's a really difficult situation for particularly Seabold and Cleary and the assistance at those clubs. Mm. I agree with you there. Wombat, who would you pick at Queensland for nine? Well, at this point in time, we've no friend in that. I think we've basically said before, I think their only option right now is Hunt, the way things are going, with the way they're probably going to shuffle it. Uh, if friend was healthy, he'd be the first one picked, I think. Curtis Woodward's got a retweet, and I said I'd give him a plug. He's wrote a book, Rugby League Rhyming Slang and Other Random Stuff. So Ooh. I think he's talking about the Cooper Verners. And yeah, who is it? Curtis, from commentary, from... Uh, the 81st minute. He's wrote his own little book. It's on Amazon.com. I might chuck a link up later for our listeners out there. But rugby league, rhyming slang, and other random stuff. He's a fairly random bloke himself. But uh, rhyming slang, like Cooper Vuna, Schooner, etc., stuff like that. He's a funny man, mm. Curtis. So five bucks. Good for a laughter on Amazon.com. We'll chuck that up later. Shout out to Curtis. Look forward to commentating some games very, very soon. Marky B, how would your Warriors spine look this week? Well, they've gone with Nick Arima and the halves with Green. Isaac, Luke, and Roger Tuivasa-Shek. I think the argument would be more what we said last week. Do you want Nickarim for four years, and do you think he's a long-term half? Or is it mean that Blake Green's probably looking on the outer and that Nickarim is going to partner Chanel with Tabeta Harris moving forward? I think you're stunting the growth of Tabeta Harris. I think he's quite played quite well. I think the experience has been good for him, but for the rest of this year, him not playing and Green being there, I don't have such a big problem with if he's in and out. My problem is next year, I don't think Tabeta Harris cannot be playing first grade. I think he has to be playing first grade by next year, hmm. full time. So does that mean Green potentially gets moved on? I don't know. He's in the last year of his deal. It's a big deal, the biggest deal of his career, probably close to $600,000. I'm sure he's not going to go without a fight. And I don't know if he'd sit there and play cup, but uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happy, happens in that situation. Brad Millen, you're stuck on a deserted island. Choose one of the following combinations to survive with. Darius Boyd and a never-ending bucket of KF. Wayne Bennett and a lifetime supply of Zupa Dupas or Bell Grills and a replenishing loaf of ham sandwiches. Chuck Norris and eight bananas. I'll take beer. I'll take beer as well. I'd like to say the bucket of KF and Darish, but I think I'd just end up with regret, dirty meat sweats, and 10 minutes later, I'd be very, very sad. Zupa Dupas, good, but too much sugar. I'd be out of control. And I like ham and Bear Grills. As if he's not going to be able to whip me up something nice or kill something for me. I'm back in beer. 
Robert Sim. Bloody hell, everyone's cotton on that we like KFC. Or at least I you like do, KFC. Yeah. Robert Sim says, do you lick your fingers after KFC? If so, is it really that good? I bloody love KFC. Mm. It's great. Emmanuel Aran says, Penrith are at a club. We are constantly told this, to me, sounds like we'll overpay our juniors and not look outside for better playing talent. I was a fan of this mindset, but now, not sure. The Roosters are proving otherwise. What do you think? There's, you've got to be a mix. If you don't have the player, if you haven't developed the player, I don't you think need they to go and pay. get the player. They don't, they don't have a pay. They develop the they've talent. Over, at the moment, they've overpaid Nathan Cleary on what he's doing. If you're going to say that which they've home overpaid of, Ash Taylor, then Anthony he's Milford, not going as bad Mitchell as... Mitchell Moses. Yeah, yeah get all still, that. Moses Zembite, like A lot yeah, of halves are overpaid. Get all that. So oh, that's not the argument. But when they're not playing well, that's where the gun gets pointed, whether you like it or not. And it's like the Rooster situation, like they don't have many juniors. They have to buy out of necessity. They produce some players. Rick Victor Radley's there. Adrian Lamb's son's come from there. But by necessity, they do go out and buy a lot of players. And they poach juniors at the right time. And they buy guys like Tokiah who won't appreciate the Warriors and turn into good first graders because they've got a great coach and a great system. But I think, look at the Sharks. A lot of their best players coming through right now have also been you know, brought through on uh, you know what, what they've developed with their junior system. They're not all bought players. And you're seeing the fruits of that right now. I think it's up to the players to continue to develop and to maintain that mindset. And a couple of dudes that have played some rep football, had some reps like Campbell Gillard, look a bit complacent now that they've got a big contract, which is the one thing you hope doesn't happen when you give those contracts. The spray says, do you think the Dragons can win a comp with Mary in charge? Yes. With everyone was on deck and they didn't have all the drama. Not this year, but not, I, I not think... this year, but yeah. He, he could win a grand final. Chris Cohen, his Pangai Jr., the biggest myth in the NRL. All his big tackles, his third man in, including the Tamalolo hit. Never first man in with a shoulder unless it's on a half and just passed or kicked the ball. Never takes a dirty carry and one mil tell him he's dreaming. I had this rant a couple of weeks ago and you agree with me. I think we, it's not rocket science. I think he's a good player. But again, on the weekend, how did he no play? No consistency. There's no consistency at all. He hasn't put together even 12 months of great football. So he's not worth a million bucks. That's for sure. Uh, what have we got here? Chris Cohen. Also says, so true. Oh, someone's actually, that's a reply to someone else's comment. Uh, Jeff says, what do you guys think about White playing 5-8 for the Blues? Personally, I'd think he'd be the ideal bench utility. Over Luke Keary or Cody Walker right now, zero chance that he plays for the Blues. Simple. Um, he's playing good football, but three or four weeks and just playing there after a couple of weeks ago, he kicked three or four balls into the front row of the grandstand. You're not picking him for New South Wales. He's playing great football, don't get me wrong, but... Again, we just talked about consistency long-term, off-field issues. He's had plenty of those. So after three or four good weeks of football, I'm not putting him in an origin side. No way. Uh, Robert Watson, it's magic round at Suncorp staying. Why isn't magic every game on Channel 9 or NRL on 9? That's just the TV deal, I guess. Fox owns some of it. Channel 9's yeah, owns some can't, of it. You can't change it just for magic round. Yeah. So... Frizz is nuts. He's back again. He's loving it tonight. You guys made a comment that the Knights junior development has stopped looking at body type instead of focused on skill. Dragons have a number of small juniors, Dufty, Field, etc. What are the key things you look for investing in specific players to develop? Ability. Ability. Natural ability. And Talent. you take away the physical, I guess, profile of the player. Because a lot of the time they would go for the physical profile over ability. Just pick the kids that can play. Hmm. The natural ability. And then harness it and develop the physical side. Whereas too often they just get, get the athletes. physical body, the athlete, yeah, and yeah. then try and coach the skill into them. Some guys just generally have football instinct too. Some guys now to run to space or they move like a football player. Like we've seen guys like sprinters that clubs have tried to force to play who just don't move like rugby league players. They can't 
see space. They don't cut and change direction. They don't they don't have football speed, which is another term. They don't move like a rugby league player. They don't cover ground or change direction. There's, there's some things that have been forced in the past that are trends that clubs are definitely getting away from now. Uh, and it, it's in their own best interest. But yeah, that and then personal side of things. You're looking for good character, good kids, people willing to work hard, people that uh, can thrive in a team environment. But yeah. Doghouse O'Reilly says, what's the main problem at the Warriors? Can the Eels win the comp from the bottom of the eight and pass on my love to my man Gossip? Uh, I'm sure he'll appreciate that, mate. Problem at the Warriors is they lost a you know a gun halfback before the season kicked off over him wanting a million-dollar contract, which given form over the last couple of years probably wasn't deserved. And once he found out he was going to have to wait a couple of weeks or play to earn that deal, he wanted out, which is not ideal before the season kicks off. That certainly hasn't helped. And then just consistency and effort week in, week out. I think they have good patches in games, but they just don't play 80 minutes. Yeah, I agree. That's probably the, the hardest thing for them right now. Norma Martin, whether an opposing player should rush at the kicker, I believe it's a dangerous as the guy or gal when he's on one leg. Don't tell me I'm being precious, please, seriously. Do we have to have some dreadful injury before something is done about this? No, we, we said this on the weekend when we're watching it. We had a big issue. We, we who, think you should rush the kicker. Who dived at the legs? Someone uh, for para. Uh, yeah. Tepo Amaroa. He left Tepo his Amaroa, legs yeah. instead of... Like, if you're going to go get the kicker, you need to catch him or get both arms around They him. need to... Um, normally, the, the issue is, is when they dive at the legs. If you're going to pressure a kicker, that's fine. You can just go through um, and either catch, catch the person they're trying to tackle or push them over or whatever, as long as it's safe. I think... The issue comes when they're hitting kickers either who are in the air on in the legs um, or just diving at their legs in general. Yeah, no disagreement there. Tom says, do you think the centre position is becoming like the running back in NFL in terms of expendability where you'll have your few elite players but otherwise the position can be filled by mid-level players you can do the job without a cheaper hit to the That's fair. I think the... I think the wing position's overtaken the importance of yeah. the centre position. Set starts, finishing ability, a lot more is going through that. And Set the, ends. The back row position's kind of nudged into some of the job that the centre has now as well. There's a lot of good back rows that tick off a lot of the boxes that your centre used to. So centre is a little bit less relevant. Yeah, I'd agree with you 100% there. Uh, who has been the standout? And this is from Richard Cronium in rookie in the first seven weeks and can Parramatta make Bank West intimidating to all the opponents they play? Out of all the guys that have debuted and played, Nakora would be right up there, and I think Sevo's not far behind. Yeah, Nakora for me. Brown's first few games were good. Paramount had a couple of them there. There's plenty of guys at the comp. Sherry's had some bright moments. Obviously, had some errors as well, but yeah, I think Nakora would be the clear standout, and Sevo's doing very well as well. Hunter Austin, if Magic Round was to happen every year, where should the next one be held? Would love to see it in Perth or New Zealand, especially if there is talk of expanding. Bank I love West. the concept of being able to attend a whole week in a footy... For less than 100 bucks. Bank West. Sydney. Just move it around every year. Western Sydney. Yep. Marky B. Could Jerome Luai play forward and just spell Egan during the game? It seems like the Panthers need a spark somewhere. He's too good to leave out. Yes, agree. I would have picked him from round one. Yep. Luke Saunders. Thoughts on CGI movies. Lion King freaks me out. But I love the new Tarzan. Sonic's a bit too much. Detective Pikachu works. Love the show. Best rugby league well, content since... from England. a Game of Thrones fan, I love CGI. Oh, well, Get know. those fucking dragons flying, baby. <laughs> Random. Very random. Love your work, mate. Appreciate the listens. Rook, last one. Not a Raiders fan, but do you think Jack Whiten could do the job at right centre for New South Wales? No, he's playing 5'8". I like him as a centre. I think that's probably his best position, but he's playing quite well at 5'8". And again, uh, he's playing 5'8", like Brock's saying at the moment. He hasn't played much centre, and it's a big ass to go straight into playing Origin. So, plenty 
of fan questions. And now we move on to the back end of the show, Brock, getting to the end. Tips, gossip, all that brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. Unfortunately, uh, a rough weekend for the boys. Not too rough. A couple of units they gave back, but they've been on fire other than that. It's their first down week. Almost 30 units of profit on the year, which for them, they bet $100 a unit, so $3,000 profit. Yeah, uh, but they go back. Yeah, to but it. if you're riding the package, you're going to have good bad weeks. It's what you're doing overall, and overall at the moment they're up 25 odd units. So yeah. they're flying big time. And the best bets the last few weeks, they haven't exactly had a couple of those pan out. But they send out different best bets for every game, and they've been hitting most of them. Yeah, it's just so. Because if there's if you get the package and you go, well, I don't like that one, you just don't bet on it. You just don't bet on it. Simple. Generally, we're getting one later in the weekend that we can put up for all you guys and give a couple of days to plug it, but. Yeah, overall, it speaks for itself like we are talking about. 25, 26 units of profit, 2,600. If you're betting $10 a bet, it's $260. $20 a bet, $520 profit on the season. You're ahead. There's still a discount on the package of $100 a month. And on top of that, as they say, if you don't get a profit guarantee on the season, you get the package for free next year. So big thanks to the boys there. Uh, Mr. Gossip, we still send our wishes to him and his family. Hope everything is doing well. But what's he got for us this week? Curtis Scott has told his manager to play the field. Interesting to see which clubs take a bite. So clearly played some poor football, told to go back to Queensland Cup, work on his game, and obviously he's taken that to heart. And he's... Yeah. Well, there were murmurs that he wanted to come back to Sydney anyway. I guess the disappointing thing here is if you go there, you win a comp, you show development, and then you kind of stopped a bit last year and there were some murmurs that he was you know, a little bit uncomfortable about Sydney and maybe partying a little bit as well. And then this year, he does play a few terrible games and they challenge him to go back and play better and the first thing he wants to do is probably find the exit. Ah, send him, send him. Send I hope him. that's not the case, but if it is, I don't want him there. That's my opinion. Yeah. Matt Lodge has also indicated to his manager he wants out of Brisbane, surprise, surprise, and is keen to link up with Wayne Bennett again. With George Burgess potentially being out and more money freed up from a couple other guys they may not re-sign, uh, I guess this is someone they would be looking at getting. And I'm sure Wayne Bennett would be interested. Yeah, well, Bennett was the one that gave him the lifeline. So he's so. got a loyalty to Bennett, no doubt. Mm-hmm. And he's also got here, what we spoke about earlier, Roosters chasing Bulldogs' Michael Leisha for this season and okay. possibly moving forward. So looking to bolster a bit of their depth there on that side of things. So there you go. Gossip for the week. Tips last weekend. I got six. You and Gossip both got five. We are all now dead even on 38. So jumping into these games and doing our tips... Thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate. Once I can find these bloody lineups, the first game of the weekend, your mob, Titans boxhead. Mm. Oof! Oh, what's going on here? And I will tell you that it's just taking me in a completely different thing. I'm looking for team lists, guys. Not TV. Titan Sharks. Where's the bloody team list? Where are the teams? I've clicked on NRL.com and said team list, and it's got me on NRL TV. I don't want TV, so I'm going to have to refresh the website. Right there, mate. Fuck. Yeah, it said TV, not NRL. Fucking hell. Out of control. So Titan Sharkies. Changes there. Dale Copley returns on the wing. No. Fucking hell. AJ Brimson's in at 5'8 for Tyron Roberts. And Jesse Arthurs is on the bench now. He's a guy who played some 20s at Melbourne. And the Rabbitohs usually play centre wing fullback. So you carry another utility back, which I hate. Sharks. Yannick Atala's been dropped. Aaron Gray takes his wing spot. And Fecky comes back in. To be honest, I'd have Katara. Why doesn't Riley Jacks get a start? 
I don't know. He's in your 21. So see Ash Taylor. See what happens. But Toodaloo. This one for me is easy. I'm sticking with the Sharks. Yeah, Sharks. Um, I won't back the Titans until I see something. Well, I'll probably come out and win. Mr. Gossip, last year he kept tipping Parry even though they were going bad. This year it seems like he tips the Titans every week. He's on the Titans. I hope he's right. And, uh, looking at the matches for this one, the odds with the Pro Sports Syndicate, 225 for the Titans, $1.64 for the Sharks, minus 3.5 the line, 1-12, 285 Sharks, 340 Titans, 13 plus 330 Sharks, $6. Well, yesterday that was 220 and $1.70, so well, there's bet, been money for the Sharks. Bet of the week for me, first one, Sharks minus 3.5, $1.90. I'm taking that straight mm. up. Uh, game number two is the Tigers versus the Panthers, two teams that are up and down at this point in time. Panthers more so than the Tigers, but Tigers conceding over 100 points the last couple of weeks. For them, Maguire's made several changes. He's got Benji Marshall back after potentially playing last week. He is back this week. And that means Madison goes back to the back row. Matt Eisenhuth comes in for LIA, who's out with a concussion. Uh, And they've got Oliver Clark on the bench. Is that his debut? Yeah, he played well. So it will Clark. be his debut if he if he plays. Well, he's named in the 17, so you'd think that's going to be the case. And Russell Packer. Against his former club. Elijah Taylor, Cheekham, all named in the reserves. So there could possibly be a couple of late changes there. For the Panthers, there's a host of changes. Kikiao's been named in the reserves, so potentially a late inclusion. But bloody hell, he'd be doing well to play there. His place in the pack's been taken by Winnerstein in the back row. He's back from his injury. Dean Farre's back in the centres. Dallin goes back to the wing and Malachi is out with that rib injury. Campbell Gillard has been promoted to start and Harway Sele is in at lock. Liam Martin suspended. Maloney's free to play. Uh, I, I've got no idea. I'll tip Penrith. Mm. But, well, actually, no, I'm going to tip the Tigers. If Benji's back, I'm going to tip the Tigers. The ticky dogs. This is a bloody hard one. Mr. Gossip, he's with you on the Tigers. He likes to just jinx his team. He does. Mm, McQueen. I like Winnerstein in. Winnerstein has done a job, when he, whether it was at Manly, uh, for that season under Trent Barrett when they made the eight. I think he played well before he got injured for the Panthers as well. well I have zero confidence and don't know why I'm doing it, but I'm going to tip the Panthers. Because you're a fool. Even given the changes, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me if the Tigers bounce back. In this one, the Tigers' home one—they lost that Golden Point game that we yeah. endured. I, I can feel a bit of karma coming, so you're probably right there. And with the Pro Sports Syndicate, no surprise. This game's a pick 'em, a dollar ninety a piece. The line is minus one to the Panthers. One to twelve, both teams two ninety. Thirteen plus, both teams four sixty. Manly Broncos, uh, another one that is pretty hard to tip on the Manly side of things. Another injury has Ugh. forced a reshuffle. Coruscant has been chosen at 5'8 for Croker, who's out. Farnu starts at hooker. George Tafil is back on the wing for Abbas Miski. Tawafal Sipley starts for the injured Fanua Blake prop and earning promotions to the bench are Morgan Boyle and Kalepi Tanganoa. They can't catch a break. No. And for Brisbane, Seabold obviously reacted finally after sticking side for a while. Asako and Roberts both out. Pangai goes back to the bench. Stags in at centre. Shibasaki is on the wing. Flegler starts at lock, and they've had to replace McCulloch because of an MCL injury with Jake Turpin. That injury really throws a screw in the works, for me. Brisbane, it's at Suncorp. Manly got a host of injuries. I like Staggs back in. Uh, I thought Dearden did a good job last week. I still I really... think he's punted some guys that have been a little bit cancerous around the team. I still like the forward pack for Manly, though. I really do. I don't. 
It's more the halves that sort of worry me. Brisbane at Brisbane, huge weekend. I want a response, but again, I've got zero confidence. I've got zero confidence. I'm just picking so Brisbane. I will tip Brisbane again. Uh, and Mr. Again? Mr. Gossip, he's on board with that as well. No, he's tipping Manly. I oh, know he's not. He's got Manly. So there you go. He's going the upset. The odds in that one, the Pro Sports Syndicate, Brisbane, $1.56. Manly, two forty. so good value there for the punters. The line, plus five and a half for Manly. One to twelve manly, three eighty, two ninety for the Broncos, thirteen plus manly, six fifty, two eighty five for the Broncos. Dogs Knights, uh, a game again for Newcastle to hopefully continue to build on the momentum. The Dogs, they've been in every single game basically by those first two before the coaching situation was settled. But for the Dogs, Foreign is still wow. in the reserves, so potential comeback for him. He's dropped off a hickey Ogden to the reserves and promoted Sue. That really surprises me. I thought Ogden's been one of the better players. So that one uh, Knights. That confuses me, but no changes for the Knights, and that one's fairly easy for me in that situation. I will go with the Knights. Mr. Gossip, he's on board with the Knights as well, and the odds with that one, $1.65 favourite are Newcastle. The Dogs, two twenty-five minus 3.5 the line. 1-12 Newcastle, two eighty-five three forty for the Dogs. The Pro Sports Syndicate, and 13 plus $6 for Dogs, three thirty. Um, I'll go Knights minus 3.5. That'll be one of my bets. Oh, it's minus three and a half at 190. And last week, just an update, I got none because the Dragons were looking like they were going to get a win and they lost. And then I had Newcastle 1 to 12 and they gave up a late try, the Warriors, to make it 13 plus. Uh, you got Parramatta minus one last week. Yeah. So you are now three from 16 on four from 16. We're still struggling a bit in the best bet department. Warriors, Dragons for Magic Round up there. A couple of changes obviously going to happen. The Warriors, Nick Arima comes into play at 5 8. Shanita, uh, Chanel Tabita Harris is back to the reserves. Fussy Tua is back on the wing. Bill goes to reserves. Isaac Luke is out and is replaced by Nathaniel Roach on the bench. Jazz Tavunga returns from a calf injury. Bunty Afoa is back from a leg injury. And last week's late call-ups are replaced by Liggy Sauer and Carl Lawton. So a host of changes there for the Warriors, <sighs> ringing in the changes. For the Dragons side of things, Jai Field comes into play at six for Corey Norman in the only change to a team that faded badly. Against the Dragons. Dragons. Against the Eels, sorry. Uh, I'm going to stick with the Dragons as well, but again, uh, I don't know what I'm going to get from the Warriors. I really don't. Week to week, it's an absolute puzzle. Mr. Gossip, he agrees he's going to go with the Dragons, but again, I think it's probably a close game. The odds with the Pro Sports Syndicate, 235 for the Warriors, $1.60 for the Dragons, minus four the line. 1 to 12 Dragons, 285, 350 for the Warriors, 13 plus the Dragons, 315, 625 for the Warriors. Storm Parra, this should be a cracker game. Lots of pressure on Melbourne to step up this week. Bellamy, no changes. Stuck with all the side besides Brandon Smith, who's back from injury to But he replace. said he was going to look at replacing some players. He said he was going to tap them on the shoulder if they didn't do the job this week. They might be going back to Cup. So, obviously, they got their last chance this week, as I say. But uh, only change, Brandon Smith, no surprise. He's back from injury. And the Eels, welcome back. Timmy Manor. Woo! Timmy. He replaces Kane Evans. This is a danger game for Melbourne. I think the big problem we have with a lot of sides is offloads and teams that can roll through the middle and generate ruck speed. I think Parramatta can do that. And I yeah. think their set starts are also very important. I'm going to tip the Eels. Yeah, I'm going to tip the Eels as well. I think for Melbourne, this is a critical week, but from what I saw last week, uh, the halves side of things, I think they'll pressure Croft. Uh, he needs to have a good game. The forward pack needs to step up. And there's, just, there's a lot of guys at the moment that aren't playing that well. Marion Seve is bad at football. He's he can't defend. 
Oh, Mr. Gossip, he's and gone. Vunavalu at the moment is bad at football. Oof. Vunavalu has been killing my life. Uh, exceptional a couple of years ago. It seems now he just gets crazier and crazier every week with some of the stuff he does. Mm, I'll take also Parramatta plus six and a half. So Eels plus six and a half. Yeah. At 190. And Mr. Gossip, he's going the storm, sticking strong there for them to bounce back. A dollar forty four, the Pro Sports Syndicate, two eighty for Parramatta, plus six and a half that line. <coughs> oh, drying out the throat there. Storm one to twelve two ninety. Parramatta four dollars thirteen plus two sixty five for the storm seven dollars for Parramatta. Roosters Raiders an absolute cracker clash. A little bit affected unfortunately uh, by the fact that Bateman is out and obviously Leilua Joseph Depine, but Canberra they've been pushing forward for the Roosters side of things. Ikavala returns on the wing. Manu goes back to the centres. Orbison back to the bench. The only change is Lindsay Collins out for the Raiders. Hudson Young has to push in to replace Bateman who's out for six to eight weeks. Rapana's back on the wing. Simmonson goes back to the bench and Leilua still missing. Uh, I think those changes hurt. The Roosters have got a better bench. I'll tip the Roosters until they lose. And I'm on board with you there. Mr. Gossip's on the Roosters. I think Cam will give a good account of themselves, but again, I think they'd prefer to have Tapine, to have Bateman, to have Leilua, all their players available. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, when the Roosters lose and they're out of the comp. Otherwise, I'll just tip them every week. Mm. Fair enough. There you go. Mr. Gossip, he agrees. And the Pro Sports Syndicate do too. $1.37 for the Roosters. three oh five for the Raiders. Minus eight is the line. One to 12 Roosters. two ninety four fifty for the Raiders. 13 plus for the Roosters. two forty seven fifty for the Raiders. And the last game of the round, South Sydney versus the North Queensland Cowboys for the Rabbitohs. They've got through the same 17-man squad every week, though they keep changing Burgess and Tola. That probably would be no different as far as start and bench. For the Cowboys, Cohen Hess gets his chance back in the starting side, replacing Josh McGuire, who was out. Mitch Dunn takes his spot on the bench. And Felt, Kyle Felt back for his first game of the year. O'Neill goes to the centres, and Asiata stays at six. Uh, Felt coming back is a good thing. Losing McGuire is definitely not a good thing. Tamalolo is good, but Souths have as good a forward pack. Souths. So definitely sticking with Souths. I think the, the Cows were okay last week, but a couple of those calls could have changed that game. Mr. Gossip, he agrees. And the Pro Sports Syndicate do too. $1.33 for South, $3.30 for the Cowboys, minus 8.5. The line, 1 to 12 South, $3.475 Cowboys, 13 plus, 225 South, $8 for the Cowboys. Huge show. It's been a big show, It's been mate. a big show, Brock, mate. It has been. Uh, you know, things have changed a bit with work and schedule and time, so we're recording a bit later, mate, but we just get it done, don't we? We have to get it done for the fans. There's been 150,000 fan questions today. Yeah, because we've done it a bit later than usual. It's unfortunately accumulated about 30 more we than usual. We might need to put the post up a little bit later. Mate. Yeah, maybe a bit of an adjustment. <laughs> and I've also started to lose my voice. Mm. I'm struggling a bit, No mate. doubt. The show's gone for four hours, mate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so best bets. You've got Knights minus three and a half at $1.90, and you've taken the Eels plus six and a half. I've gone the Sharks minus three and a half at $1.90. And my second one, I was going to look at a try-win combo, but they don't list those odds on Tuesday. So because mm. I'm taking Parramatta, I'm going to follow you in on that one, to be honest. Oh, you're just going to copy me, mate. The six and a half. But I'm going to go one further. I'm going to take the Eels 1 to 12 Ooh. at four bucks against my own team. My own team. Your own team. So there you go. I've probably put the fucking Melbourne reverse jinx as I used to. And they'll end up winning by 30 or something like that. And, yeah. Maybe. 
maybe. But there you go. Huge show. Everything covered. Fan questions. Our set of six. Everything in depth. Reviews of the games from the weekend. We've covered everything. And you've got the bets. You've got the gossip. You've got our tips. Our best bets. I don't know if you want to follow them just at this point in time, but no, we're going okay. Ride the wave. We're doing our best. We're mate. just trying, mate, for the punters. It's been a hard oh. year with the tips. Big thanks to the Penrith Solar Center. Get onto them if you're looking for a system. It's the way of the future. www.penrithsolarcenter.com. Dot au. Jake's the man and the pro sports syndicate. They've got plenty of profit, mate. Profit's what you want. Cash is what we're all about. You know, cash makes the world go round. And to all the fans out there. Thanks for listening. We love you. We appreciate everything you do. Go on iTunes. Give us a rating of five stars because I think it's a five-star show. Kenty, it's absolutely exceptional. All right? Mm. Mm. Next week. Until then, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? What's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.